Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Conspiracy Farm, where we don't start the conspiracies, we just add the water. And now, your host of the most state-of-the-art, most informed podcast on the interweb, I present to you, Pat Militage and Jeffrey Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, are you ready for All right, ladies and gentlemen, how we doing? Welcome to another episode for the archives of the Conspiracy Farm. Jeffrey Wilson rolling with you shotgun with my partner in crime, USC Hall of Famer Patrick J. Militich. How you doing, champ? You know, I'm I'm doing really good, actually, and I'm glad we've got the guests that you corralled in. And, of course. And uh, our, our friend coming to us from Japan. From Hapon. But uh, before You're we get You're doing in- well. Did something happen today? Is this some sort of good news? Uh-oh. Well, we are going to get to it. But before we do, I would be remiss, ladies and gentlemen. you got to go check us out at www.theconspiracyfarm.com. All the archived episodes uh, support the sponsors. we got Chemical Free Body, chemicalfreebody.com, front slash farmer. All the best in health and wellness. Gut cleanse, green 85, some of the bombest, bombest supplements on the planet. Dude, I'm telling you that. And then we got uh, the C4.com. Anybody representing the Second Amendment and want to do it comfortably and reliably, go check out thec4.com with killer, killer superior designs. We have, um, I mean, if you're over there in Japan, like my man Ryan, and you get hit with a tsunami or an earthquake or any of the tornadoes we've been hit with, or Dorian down in Florida, you need to check out mypatriotsupply.com and specifically go to preparewiththefarm.com for all of the different specials that they have. And ButcherBox, ButcherBox.com. Obviously, we're molding into the football season. Everybody want to get their pregame on, et cetera, et cetera. Winding down summer, butcherbox.com front slash farmer for all the dopest organic grass-fed meats, organic chicken, heritage pork. Go check it out. And, um, yeah, man, I'm really stoked about this episode today, man. A returning guest, multiple-time returning guest. The guy, as everybody knows, is like one of the dopest researchers and authors that, you know, I've really seen on so many different subjects of history, not just 9-11 and geopolitics. I mean, the guy is, is quite the savant in a very productive way. And um, there's a lot we're going to talk about today, man. Obviously, with uh, when I post this, it will be 9-11, but we're recording it on the 10th. We're going to talk a little 9-11. We're obviously going to talk a little Jeffrey Epstein, a little bit of everything. So joining us today, he is the host of the ANC Report and uh, just a good friend of the show, man. Great guy. He's a tribesman in truth, Ryan Dawson. What's up, brother? <laughs> that was a nice intro. I got to mention that Dorian slammed North Carolina because the island where I'm from got hit pretty hard by that. And really? Florida always takes the news, but us, us little places, uh, we always get ignored. So Ocracoke and Roanoke and Hatteras Island got hit pretty hard. They're all parts of the United States, by the way, and um, <laughs> they are. They are. We, we often don't get don't get mentioned on TV, but uh, yeah. a lot of his, history down there. I had a, our family had some damage too. So, but this is still that. a great day because uh, John Bolton got fired. John Bolton got fired, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't know. I know you know some whoever does or doesn't drink. That's fine. But I have a little shot of some Jack Daniels right here that I am throwing back. For the removal of the warmongering piece of shit, John Bolton, mm-hmm. NSA director, was fired today. He is in the unemployment line. Salud, ladies and gentlemen. NSA advisor. He, he not anymore. I, I that's the first thing I tweeted to him. I say, Bolton, why do you have national security advisor uh, as your title? You're not a national security advisor. You got fired. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. He needs to change his Twitter now. It's just hilarious. hilarious. I mean, we, we, we've known that dude. Yeah, dude, we've known him to be a bad guy for a very long time. And honestly, 
you know, we can talk about it. I saw some, you know, I posted something about it today, and then, you know, someone posted, if he was so bad, why did Trump hire him in the first place? And Pat has an interesting philosophy on that, kind of the keeping your friends close and enemies closer type, type thing. He wanted to keep an eye on the bad guys. What are your thoughts? I mean, Sheldon why would Adelson he... paid for it. That's why. There we go. See, Sheldon Adelson. <laughs> it was on the same day he gave a pardon to Lewis Libby. So <clears throat> right. he was, you know, now and then Trump, Trump will put stack the table with opposite sides and he lets them fight with each other. And he kind of, this Lincoln did this and I hate Lincoln, but this was a good strategy was well, all he has to do is favor one side over the other. So they both have to give him something other because he's the deciding right. tie vote type thing. Right. And but Bolton was just he'd sabotaged too much in North Korea. He kind of did get along with Trump on Iran, but he really blew it on Afghanistan. And we recently had this chance to remove 5000 troops. The Taliban was was willing to talk com complied to all uh, prior demands. And Bolton went in there and sabotaged the whole thing. And so did Pompeo. But Pompeo just sort of follows Bolton's lead. So you'll see. Trust me, you're going to see Pompeo's attitude change a lot without uh, John to hide behind. Mm. Was there something else said? Uh, did Adelson or one of those guys say something critical about Netanyahu as well in the last couple of days? Well, I mean, that's the one that like the selling point for Bolton is Trump actually is very pro-Israel and right. like pro-Likud and Netanyahu specifically. I wouldn't even say Israel. I would say this faction sure. because the Kushner's. And Netanyahu are friends. I mean, he sleeps at their house. Right. And Trump's daughter is married to one of them. So he definitely has a sort of nepotistic bias there. And so he's on that team. And that's probably what got Bolton's foot in the door. But every time, like, Trump's trying to talk to Kim, the North Koreans called John Bolton the defective human product. That was the <laughs> translation. <laughs> and we used to call him the defective human mustache. Uh, well, when when was uh, who was it? When Mattis met him, he was while we're walking up the steps, whatever that was. He's like, "Hey, I heard you're the most evil person on the planet. Glad to meet you." So, some nice meetings of the mind there. Um, I mean, Mattis hasn't met Richard Pearl yet, then. But yeah, <laughs> right. there are a few people worse than Bolton. There, there's still some, but he was the worst, you know, person currently in the administration. Like some of the leftover Bush people were are worse than Bolton and he worked for them too. So. For sure. Well, and we're going to get more into that in a lot of these ties. You know who they... else was probably worse? John McCain. Where is he? He returned to hell. That's what happened. <laughs> it's a dry heat. We just had his anniversary death party on the 25th of August. I was in Ireland for that. Yeah, what did I hear? John fun. McCain never never saw a war he didn't like. Well, before we go down this rabbit hole, brother, you did a – I mean, like, again, you are such a, you know, just diligent researcher, man. You bring the pain with so many of your videos and so much of your research. And that's why, as, like a, as a history guy and you somebody really likes the nuance and the layers of all this shit and seeing how all the dots connect, I, I really love messing with your research. And as we know, man, shows like us, shows like yours, shows like, you know, Tinfoil Hat, shout out to Sam Tripoli. You know, we're getting shadow mm -hmm. banned. We're being censored. You know, these words, yep. there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a war on truth, if you will. And you have had a lot of issues, man, going back to your Vimeo page where they took a lot of money. YouTube hit you with strikes for just bullshit saying it was, you know, harassment or bullying or whatever the guidelines that you didn't it didn't friend. Exact on. opposite <clears throat> of what I'm doing. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> well, and then, you know, you really put your boots on the ground, man, and your money where your mouth was because you went to Europe. T tell us about your trip to the UK and Ireland. And um, you were really not a fan of London when you went there, man. Tell us how everything went down and, and how was, if it was a success yeah. or not. I was very disappointed with London, but, you know, I, I say these things, but I, of course I want to change things there. I want to help them, but, man, it was <laughs> it was an eye-opener going there. But the reason I went to Ireland is because the 
for tax evasion reasons and other purposes, a lot of giant corporations plop a headquarters in Dublin. And so the the headquarters for all of Europe was in Ireland. And the headquarters for the Americas is over in Texas. It's, so I had to go to one of those. I'd never been to Ireland. From Japan, it didn't matter. So we went to Ireland. And because the, the Asian one, they don't deal with videos in English. So went to the uh, – and the most censorship on in the Google sphere is from the EU and it's from Europe. I mean they – you say the wrong thing at all, right. and it, oh, it's banned in all these countries. It's like there are a lot of my videos that aren't in Europe at all, except for like Iceland, Norway, and a couple other places. You know, the ones outside the EU. Wow. So, yeah. So yeah, we, we put up some we stuff that there. got banned in the UK too, specifically in the UK. Our UK fans that hit us up, like I can't see this video. So yeah, I know that's there's and BitChute's banned in New Zealand and it's banned on a lot of uh, ISPs in Australia too. But if you live in Australia and you call and complain about that, you can get it reversed. So it's it's not the whole country, but it's a lot of uh, internet service providers. Wow. New Zealand after that shooting, they decided to get rid of BitChute, even the guy the, the guy live streamed on Facebook. So yeah, <laughs> go figure. <laughs> Whatever, go figure there, right? That's like Saudi Arabia. So about- Saudi Arabia supposedly attacked us on 9/11 and we go to Afghanistan. Right. Tell us about yeah. your conversation with the Google uh, folks over there. The bug man, yes, that was creepy. So first of all, I couldn't get hold of a freaking human being. And I've of been course. dealing with this crap since 2008, right? They erased my first channel in 2008, every video I ever did. The day I put up this video called War by Deception, it got erased. And, and they took down my whole channel, and I had no means of doing anything. And there weren't, there weren't even a lot of shows like this or whatever, like a lot of – these type of shows got going around like late 2000 teens or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like back in the day, you no, know, it was myself, Rivero, antiwar.com. There was no one was doing videos or anything. Uh, and so I had no recourse really, but I had a backup channel that I had made and I just didn't like the name. So I just, cause it's like R Y S sense or what, you know, the one I have now. So they're like, you can't make a new channel. Well, technically, I never did. I just kept using the the original old channel. Okay. <laughs> do videos over there. When you said they and were even flagging sense. your unlisted stuff and your private stuff. Yeah, that. So I got, you know, I got banned completely in 2018 again in March, and they hit. They took down my website, my T-shirt company, my YouTube, my Facebook, like ev- everything was gone. Ironically, except for Vimeo. <laughs> But then Vimeo would uh, ban me on Halloween. And th- what they do is the end of the month when they have to pay you. So the very last day of the month, uh, they banned me and erased all my videos and took wow. all my September profits and all my October profits. Wow. So, And that was my best month, September. It was September 11th. I'd just been on all these new shows and stuff, and right. nothing. They took it. Wow. So plus, plus there's the money I lost where I had to go find another place that could host my videos and get around piracy and blah, blah, blah. So really it was, it was more than what they took is the damage they did. But are you finding more progress with, with BitChute? Are you finding it's less censorship and less problem? Oh yeah. BitChute doesn't censor my videos. It takes a long time to upload sometimes and all, but this was, these were videos I was trying to sell. And so, uh, Vimeo was the place I could do that. And now I have to pay for the bandwidth and host it myself. And he's this Norwegian company called Kling. And some people have problems with the player and it's that. It's, you know, but at least they didn't censor them. Right, so. right. 
Wow, Even my wow. T-shirt company got taken down. They went after that. I had a shirt just said "Boycott Israel." They're like, "Anti-Semitism." Nah, 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 nah. I'm like, "It's not anti-Semitic." <laughs> what are you talking about? But it doesn't matter. And then with YouTube again, like in February, they gave me strikes, and I waited the the three months, get my channel back, start using it a couple weeks. Boom, they give me three strikes again. So. I, I was sick of it. I'm like, why are you flagging these for hate speeches? Clearly the ADL and SPLC or shit libs or whatever. They just don't like whatever video and they all pile on and, and flag it for hate speech. Now hate speech in their own rules says you're promoting violence towards, it should just say anybody, but instead it lists everyone. It's like you cannot promote violence towards uh, ethnicity, race, religion, veterans, gender something 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 which is never even that you know what i mean i heard sam tripley today saying he got flagged (laughs) for for tweeting somebody about correcting the term retard on twitter he was down for a week i mean it's just like it's yeah well uh daniel mcadams from the ron paul institute got his twitter completely permanently banned for calling sean hannity a retard over something so you know you're supposed to say you're supposed to say mentally challenged or liberal or something like that chromosomally challenged and what I, I, I put out there, you know, that there is a new definition for retard. It no longer describes someone who is mentally challenged. Uh, it yeah. describes someone who has all their faculties but is a fucking moron. Yeah, that's all. We know that's what it means. Like, nobody's met picky on people with Down syndrome or something. They're just saying that, oh, that's retarded. Some some people say, oh, that's gay or whatever. They're not talking about homosexuals. It's, it, it's clearly like it's the internet too. Like grow up. Like people yeah. talk shit on the internet. Woo, whatever. Get yeah. someone got called retarded. I use that word sometimes. I call people who say the Pentagon got hit by a uh, missile retarded. I'm like, there's debris of the plane in the building. Well, this, this gets <laughs> into all that selective butt hurtness, man. And I know you've talked about it, and we've talked about it. It just is so infuriating when you have people focusing and utilizing their energy to go after. You know, I'm hearing more about Antonio fucking Brown, I think his name is, and his helmet and whatever, than more I'm hearing about Epstein. <laughs> people are so more well, upset uh, about and calling people racist or sexist or transphobic and all that other shit when we have global global wars taking place, global black market economies that are trading in human beings and drugs and body parts where children isn't that are weird being satanically abused people, and killed. But yet we have the energy to talk about this though. other dumb shit. Sorry. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I... T- I hear you. It's selective outrage. And I was, when I was on with Sam Tripoli the other day, we were talking about this sort of manufactured, like acceptable outrage because there's no skin in the game. So like if I exactly. oppose the war in Libya or something, then there's a whole there's a huge faction against me because Obama started that war. So they're just going to be on that team or whatever. And so the conservatives are mad about Benghazi and the liberals are mad about Fallujah or whatever. But there no there's no like sincere principle like let's stop killing brown people or whatever and the same people that are yelling racist sexist etc are supporting these wars they're saying Assad must go and supporting al-qaeda they're supporting open-air slavery in libya starvation in yemen etc that does because you know their team did it so that's okay or something it baffles me i'm like if you if you're a moral person if you have any common sense you wouldn't want to frivolously murder people I mean, that's what we're doing. I mean, war, modern war is just uh, MIC profiteering through violence. But again, people's, you know, whatever you want to call it, confirmation bias, extreme tribalism. People have so much ego wrapped up into their thoughts on geopolitics. They just have to be right. They can't take a step back. 
Or what? And the Unabomber explains it. We're going to get into that too, man. We're going to get definitely into that because I found that very fascinating when you brought that up because back in the day when I read a little bit of the Unabomber's Manifesto, and I'm going to say this out loud right now, and I'm not advocating violence or in any way, shape, or form advocating violence, but he was raising some damn good points. And this was in the mm-hmm. 90s talking about technology. And I wound up getting into and reading it when you kind of advocated a couple of weeks ago. People need to start reading the Unabomber Manifesto. He predicted the radicalization of the left. and so You much can the- read things from people who did bad things. It doesn't right. mean they're 100% evil and whatever. I mean, the guy had, you know, he had his issues. Uh, Clearly. He was a child genius, fourth through school, very young. So intellectually, he's there, and he's definitely a, a math genius and whatnot. But socially you can't take someone out of their age group and just throw them in with college kids or whatever when they're 11 like it's right. there's it's bad but right. and he got he was isolated and da, da 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 you know people smart people can do dumb things but uh that doesn't change what he said you know and same like adolf hitler said the sky is blue doesn't mean the sky is no longer right. blue you know what i mean like and what kaczynski broke down on the over socialization and fear and feelings of inferiority I've had people read that this year and go, oh, he's talking about Antifa. I'm like, hmm, he was talking about this way before they existed. But, yeah, right. he kind of is nailing why they are the way they are, why it's a big group of betas and so on. It's a type of psychology. People, this tribalism isn't just to be part of a group or something. It's got a, a deeper root than that. And it's not about some sincere principle of justice uh, otherwise, you'd see criticism from, uh, against uh, killing across the board or right, something. You right. know, so all this stuff that they went, even when they criticize imperialism and the terrible things the United States or the UK has done, they don't say the same thing for communist regimes and stuff, which are guilty of right. just as much or more of the same of more killing and starving and so on. It's all what they really hate is Westernism because they have feelings of inferiority. And so anything that's associated with being rational, strong, any of these positive categories makes them feel worse about themselves because they don't want there to be a superior and inferior. So they cling on to these groups that preach uh, equality, not in the sense of equal treatment, but just like everyone's the same. Right. That way that that levels them up rather than everybody has a participation trophy. They hate masculinity, don't they? They hate masculinity. They hate rationality. Uh, they hate most of the core Western values that have been conducive to success in the West. And so, yeah, they can latch on to legitimate uh, causes, uh, you know, legit criticism of, of things that have been done. Um, but the, it doesn't matter, like the institution of slavery, uh, et cetera. But they won't realize that it's Western civ that ended all these practices before anyone else. Women's suffrage or universal suffrage uh, child labor laws, uh, the ending slavery, all these things happen in the West. First people to vote in New Zealand spread throughout the West. The first people to get rid of monarchies in a thousand years was the West. The first people to end the institution of slavery was the West. And they spread from the West into other societies. The last people to get rid of it was the rest of the globe. So where you ought to look at the West and honor it and say, yeah, they had slaves. Guess what? So did everyone else. Yeah, they right. had subjugation of females. So did everyone else. How did they break out of that? They broke out of that from the Western values and Western philosophy that led to you know you know owning your life and your liberty and those those principles are what gave rise to uh, the behaviors that ended up dismantling all these institutions, making more fair, uh, more free, and, and capitalism is the best. Uh, 
equalizer ever. Well, and you would think with some of these like socialists or wannabe socialists or communists, you would think that they're reading from some playbook of these just like grave successes throughout history. When almost literally that's not the case. Stalin killed what fifty million. I mean, you never like really see capitalists uh, jumping over fences and swimming across ditches <laughs> to get into a communist country, you know, right. <laughs> for right. a reason. It doesn't work. Uh, welfare doesn't work. Uh, central planning doesn't work, especially on the scale of 300 million people, whatever. You, no, no one, even if they were a benevolent king or something, would have the knowledge to properly know the exact amount of all industries that you have to let market forces and competition figure that out. Like, well, since you mentioned even welf- in a prison, you have market <clears throat> forces. You know, like, since you mentioned you welfare not out. working, I have to bring up you know a little bit of everywhere, but the immigration stuff is this being weaponized to start giving people free shit to weaponize and create a voting block for the left to create. This, this socialist Marxist authoritarian state that people warning is coming. It's it's partially that, and it's partly that just the opportunity to virtue signal. Because what a lot of the hardcore leftists will do is, if you oppose illegal immigration, talking about just illegal immigration, right. well then you're xenophobic and racist and throw out all the isms, right? right. Uh, and for them to support it, then makes them feel like. Well, I'm not xenophobic and racist, and what a good boy am I, and I can pat myself on the head for doing nothing, right? Like, that's just normal to not, like, categorically hate people, right? That should – but the thing is a lot of them are racist and xenophobic, and they know they're not supposed to be. And so this is a way of them exercising their way out of it. Nobody's more militantly anti-racist than someone who's just newly getting over that, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, it's like someone that comes up to me and out of the blue says, I got a lot of black friends or something. I'm like, whoa, uh, I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it, it makes me think, I think question like, would you ever do that? Does someone go like, I think girls can work or something. <laughs> like, well, it's, well, it's, it's <laughs> like, it's like Tom Arnold when he, uh, uh, commented one time back to me on Twitter, you know, because my wife is an immigrant. She came from another country and uh, we did everything legally and, and things like that. So, yeah, I, I am fully against illegal, uh, you know, mass mass uh, entry into this country that's going on right now. But, you know, he said, what's the matter, Pat? You worried that there's going to be a Mexican mowing your yard? And I go, dude, is that all you think they're capable of? Right. That's disgusting. Right. Yeah, you that's know what I'm saying? So that's the, that's the thing. And, and they just... They, they, the thing that's most pathetic about liberals is that they actually think minorities need white liberals to save them. Like it's to, paternalistic to, racism. That's what it's, it is. It's, it is so bizarre, to, and they just—it's crazy. The subtle racism of lowered expectations. Yep, that's was that Thomas Sowell. I don't know, but I heard it. I think it was Thirty Rock. I heard it, and Tracy Morgan said it. He could have stole it from somebody, but I just—that was a great point. But yeah. And it, you're, honestly, ladies and gentlemen, check out, if you don't want to fucking read, there's an audio book of the Unabomber, <laughs> the Unabomber's Manifesto. I was actually, I read some and then I listened to some at works, but it's just like, it's so, you were like, whoa, dude, did this guy just write this a couple months ago? This shit's like almost 30 years ago. When you start hearing about the social impact that he almost predicted. Yeah, published 30 years ago. He wrote it before that. Right. Out in the woods in Montana, just. There was a Netflix. <laughs> there was a Netflix movie out there about him that I found pretty. He's like, "Why do you stop at a red light?" It was just. It was very fascinating. It's kind of uh, interesting judgments on now, society. Uh, when we go back to just skip to the eleven to number eleven and read like eleven through seventeen. If you're super lazy, just read those six paragraphs and you'll be like reading the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
It hooks so you. When, we, when we go back and talk about you know the, the rise of Antifa and all of this that's going on, um, when Jeff and I had talked previously, I was on Andrew Wilkow, the Wilkow Majority on the Blaze TV. He had me come out there to Washington, D.C. to jump on his show. And we talked about Antifa, and I, I said a lot of the, you know, the mass shooting stuff and all this other stuff that's going on, because boys are being um, demasculinized, boys are taught not to be masculine, not to be strong, uh, they're also drugged with Ritalin and Prozac and all this other stuff, there's 40 million adults on, on psychotropic drugs in America alone, 40 million adults, and I think roughly probably 10 to 15 million children are on mm. those drugs, so they are just turning all these people into zombies, and uh, and and I think it's maybe you've done the research on this, Ryan, but over ninety percent of the mass shootings are are perpetrated by people who were raised on these drugs. Yeah, SSRIs in particular, and and paragraph one forty five in the manifesto says, imagine a society that subjects people to conditions that make them terribly unhappy, then gives them drugs to take away their mm. unhappiness. Science fiction, it's already starting to happen. <laughs> That's what he was talking about. And this is before the Prozac and Wellbutrin and all the rest of the whatever, axioms and stuff. Uh, ask your doctor. Ask your doctor. They, they, that was something when I came back from Japan one time and I flipped on American TV, there are commercials for prescription drugs. Yeah. Isn't that weird? I know. Like there's prescriptions, so it should be based on your symptoms. And then a physician says, oh, you have these symptoms. This is a drug for you. They're like, no, ask your doctor about blah, blah, blah. And, and then half the, half the commercial is you're going to bleed out of your eyes. You're going to shit spontaneously. Yeah, yeah. It's like possible boom, boom, cardiac arrest. Suicide, depression. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Like your well, antidepressant might cause suicide. Almost billion dollars is spent every year by pharmaceutical companies in advertising. So you think about the networks, they, they literally couldn't survive without those ads. Um, you know, the, the, the evening anchor, um, you know, or Lester Holt uh, certainly wouldn't be driving a Mercedes Benz uh, if pharmaceutical wasn't advertising on their station. It's gross. I mean, just like the soap opera, what became the soap opera back in the day. Now it's the. That's why I call it now the the military industrial telecommunications pharmaceutical complex because the level of the dollars is right up there with all this military defense shit. I think that's why they also try to um, Hollywood. When I'm saying they, it tries to stigmatize what little masculine programs and things there are. Uh, with like whether it's uh, professional wrestling or the UFC or whatever, they try and be like, "Oh, that's all for dumb redneck derper derper derps," and just the the idea of the redneck, the people who actually rose up with guns and fought the federal government for labor rights, uh, this idea of, of self sufficiency and hunting and any anything that has to do with uh, masculinity is is portrayed as backwards and dumb and negatively yeah i mean i remember it started and, when uh, i was a kid like gi joe gi joe transformers got just yanked off the air man whatever happened that year legislatively like all of that was gone and it got replaced with like snorks and just it yeah, was I, well, I, I grew up watching we had he-man thundercats yeah we had all Johnny that dude. silverhawks the whole nine but it was just gone after like one or something happened a lot of it was japanese programs the voltron and transformers for example but then yeah the the toy companies marketing two young boys were who put out uh, He-Man, for example, which was a huge success. I mean, they made over like four hundred and thirty million dollars, and it dropped down to just like eight million. I hear it's coming. Uh, I saw that. I saw that. I, I hear it's coming back though. I hear they're they're bringing some He-Man back. 
Well, if they could redo the movie, it would be good because that I was know. bad. With Dolph Lundgren, <laughs> that was painful. That was totally painful. But we watched it, though, right? As kids, we were like, fuck, this is awesome. Only through historical <laughs> perspective can we be like, ah, this is terrible. No, but- even then, I was like, mm. it was like <laughs> it was a He-Man movie, but it was about Courtney Cox breaking up with her boyfriend or something. Pretty it was much. bad. It was like that early my Captain friend, America movie. My friend was in a Dolph film. He got blown up. He got shot by a shotgun from Dolph. And nice. I said, you got to say, it was like just three days of shooting that he was in. And he actually kept him in for a couple of scenes, whatever. But uh, I asked him to tell him, like, you got to tell him how, how great He-Man was. <laughs> you see him That's the first thing. And he's like, and he did. He goes, I'm going to enjoy shooting you. <laughs> he never did bounce back from that, did he? No, he, he's supposed to be dead after the shotgun. Oh, you mean he? Yeah, no, that, this Dolph, whatever. Dolph, Dolph, Dolph did well with uh, Rocky and other. He things did. I didn't know he would like and... knew ten languages. Like, I mean, probably was you know. Oh, he's like an MIT. Hey, he's a he's a Kaczynski in the waiting. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I, well, the, the the guy who played Boss Hog, I forget his name. The Duke's a Hazard. He same thing. Spoke like all these languages, and he worked for the CIA. Mm-hmm. Jefferson Davis Hog. But wait, look at that. Look at this guy. Q Q Q Roscoe Pico train. We move on, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, reminded me of Bush and Cheney a little bit. He had the little fat dude in the he white totally coat. He totally did. Oh, Roscoe yeah. Pico train. Come on, Flash. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You know the dog's name. Oh right? yeah, dude. Flash was a pimp. Hey, um, <laughs> so we're moving on, man. Tomorrow, Daisy Duke, to- man. Daisy Dukes started Daisy Dukes. She did, and then they. They changed the general league as the SJWs. Of all course, like, of course. Better flag slavery. I forget his name. Like, Roscoe. He he was a senator or congressman from Iowa. Pat, I forget his uh, name. Cooter became a congressman for Virginia. Was it Virginia? Okay, my bad. Yeah, he wanted. Was, was Cooter? Yeah, uh, no, I'm sorry, show. Cooter. That's a different guy. Yeah, Roscoe. Roscoe, I think was in Iowa. He just died recently. Roscoe, I forget. Yeah. Little summer maybe, but um, the conversation has digressed, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> All over the place. Nine one one is upon us, ladies and gentlemen. It is actually nine eleven where you are at in Tokyo, Japan today. Right now, it will be nine eleven tomorrow for us. Gosh, I you know. Will there be another YouTube motivated attack in the world? <laughs> no. Will there be another yeah, yeah. another video that ins- inspires people to do a Benghazi? <laughs> Hillary actually uh, said that. Do you remember that? I they're like, guess, oh, dude. they're motivated by this YouTube video that made. They did it standing in front of the caskets of the dead to we, the families. We, we just had on I, before this episode Chris Peranto, Chris Tonto Peranto, dude, who was one of the badass who survived that whole thing. And it's it's a harrowing story, dude. I yeah. I just can't even begin to imagine his frustration or the frustration of any of those guys. Like, what? You know, turn down order for help? Like, what? What are you talking about? Like, Board we can't on the way. We can't go. It's like insane. And he, I was like, hey, how how abnormal was that for that to happen? He's like, very. I just don't Maybe they thought it was an Egyptian before. ship. Yeah. So it's here, man. It's here. We're, what, 18, 19 years in deep. You know, I don't know. We're almost like Lee, Lee Har- 55 years later. We still think Lee Harvey Oswald did it. You know, that day we had multiple attacks. One building, two building, Pentagon, Shanksville, two buildings collapsed. One building. I mean, we were all so psychologically traumatized, and that was almost the point to open this checkbook, this war on terror, this never-ending war. Here we are 18 years later, still in Iraq, still in Afghanistan, expanding it to Iran, possibly, and these other places, arming arming uh, places in Syria, et cetera. Based arming on al-Qaeda. Arming al-Qaeda, whether it's, whether it's the people who actually fucking supposedly did it, Saudi Arabia, giving them $200 billion of weapons, which is just insane and itself 
How far have mm. we come, dude? Are we getting any hipper to what's going on? Because this never-ending war is continuing, whether Bolton's there or not. Wesley Clark said it ages ago. Iran's on the list. Lebanon's on the yep. list. We're seeing developments there with Hezbollah. What's going on, dude? Are we going to be seeing That's more Pearl's and more? List, by the way. I yeah, don't doubt the, it. The problem is almost the entirety of this is saying the same thing with Kennedy and 9-11. They focus, they're obsessed with the physics, right? With Kennedy, all they talk about is the magic bullet and how many shots you exactly. can get from this distance and da-da-da-da. Yep. And not looking at the politics of it. And with 9-11, the, the loudest voices are the ones that talk about building 7 and how fat it looks like by eyeballing it that there's demolition or something and not looking at the politics of it at all. Right. And shit, our own FBI has Saudi royals funding at least three of the hijackers, probably well, more. I mean, how, why didn't we just find doing, it right? so absolutely insane that the skies were empty except for the bin Laden family two or three days after it happened? Like, what the fuck, dude? How, how was well, it? there was another uh, attempted hijacking on the 13th, too. I never heard that. All, all 10 of them got arrested. Nine of them were released. <laughs> the only one they wow. kept was the pilot. And what was weird is he was a pilot posing as a different pilot. So he actually could fly, but his ID and stuff was fake and based on a different pilot. But uh, And that's that's all in my film. We've explained all that. That, that section of it, there's a guy named... Uh, Nelson Martin, he made a uh, a film called Six on 77 that talks about that a little bit, too. Uh, so a, a building seven six like hijackers on flight 77 rather than than five like we thought a, a building seven blatantly collapsing like the sands in Las Vegas, like we all kind of know that isn't kind of just a blatant red pill, almost like an Epstein dying. You have my, my mom called me and like, Jeff, what the hell's going on? Like, she's not a conspiracy theorist, but it was one of those like everyone knew something was up when that happened. When you see a Building 7 collapse, isn't it like a WTF moment? Like, all right, dude, suck. What? And then you find out what all was housed there. Unless you caught it live, you probably didn't see Building 7 collapse until around 2006 when YouTube comes about because it just was on TV and then done, right? And uh, so they announced that it had collapsed at uh, 10.45 in the morning, Everyone says, oh, yeah, on the BBC they announced it like just 20 yeah. seconds before it fell or whatever. But way before that, on several different channels, and I've cataloged – what do you call my Stupid Jeff. I through my face. <laughs> yeah, cataloged it in my uh, – yeah, in War by Deception. So you can see the reports. I think it's Fox and CBS and CNN. And they're saying it, and the fire department is saying a 50-story building fell in 47. But there's so much smoke around Ground Zero you can't see. But it, maybe it was supposed to fall then, but it hadn't. But it was let allowed to burn uncontrollably for seven hours. So the fact that it would fall eventually with uh, uncontrolled fires for seven hours really isn't um, that big a mystery. What's weird is them announcing that it had fallen hours before it did. And then announcing, you know, minutes before it did again. That's where it gets a little screwy. So do you not feel but there were pre-planned kind of explosives in there? To be like, well, what I feel is it's a not a not the best star. We have way stronger evidence than people arguing about whether or not it uh, was demolished or burned just based on looking at how it fell. You know, like we caught uh, explosive devices in the parking garage in vans in the World Trade Centers right. on Nile. And reported live right. that, that's like just why are you talking about this over here when you've got known vans with bombs in them for sure and then we know where this front company goes back to 
because they got arrested. They had foreknowledge in 9-11. Miami FBI field office is telling Newark, oh, did you know that uh, one of the 9-11 hijackers actually used this moving company to go from Florida to New Jersey? Right, right. Omari, right? Uh, all the story of the dancing Israelis, et cetera. Like that, they have to distract from that. So what happens is you get an obsession with physics. The dumbest thing was the Pentagon stuff because it's part of the no pl- The first no planer of all four planes, eventually they'd say were holograms or whatever. Right. The first no planer thing was the Pentagon. And it's real simple disinformation. If there's no plane, there's no hijackers, no hijacker, no paper trail back to foreign state support. But if you have a plane, then you have hijackers, and then you see the Saudi role, you see the Israeli role. But if you can get, if you can say the hijackers are still alive, or like basically anything that ever came out <laughs> of this mouth, no, for sure, loose change, <laughs> yeah. dude. Loose change that did change, a lot of that. Exactly. That that was disseminated everywhere. It was all over MySpace. I got a physical DVD in the mail, right? And there's nothing in that movie, nothing that's correct. It's all disinfo from start to finish. The only thing I got right was the date. <laughs> I just saw, I think it was Burmas, Jason Burmas promoting again. Uh, I think it was a second edition or whatever. But no, I mean, the, I, I totally. The basements and all this nonsense. I'm like, there's what basements? No, I mean, I, mean, I agree, dude. I mean, that's 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 been since time and memorial, which you just said, like, God, I mean, ever since I was a kid and JFK was my thing, it was always about how many shooters. Well, no, James Tag got hit with a missed shot. I mean, it was all about that day and who shot from where, the Daltex billing, blah, blah, blah. So which oh, is How many shots could Oswald get off? You know, I mean, which, you know, from a forensic ballistic standpoint, if you're a nerd like that, that's cool. But I'm a history guy, so it's like, that's when we start getting to this kind of circumstantial evidence. There's of way stuff. better evidence. I mean, like, look, right. you know, as far as the physics go, Kennedy's brain went out the back of his head. He got For shot sure. in the front, period. Right. You know, yeah. that, that's, yeah. that's that. You don't need to spend so much time on the on the physics and stuff. Like, RFK was prosecuting the mob. Uh, the mob was blackmailing Hoover. There, look at what Johnson changed and what he didn't change. Right, right. It had nothing to do with the Federal Reserve. By the way, that's uh, another yeah. pet peeve. That was I, one I jumped Executive on. Executive Order Eleven Eleven Zero had nothing to do with it because that passed. Johnson <clears throat> didn't reverse it. Stayed yeah. on the books until the eighties. Yeah. All it did was limit who could issue silver certificates. It actually was pro Fed. No one even bothered to just read it. You know, just go and look up the order and read it. It doesn't do what you think it did. Kennedy was pro Fed. They were old money. Like he gets unfairly romanticized by one side and demonized by the other. But uh, Kennedy had really pissed off certain factions that that needed him to die, and uh, all the people around him. And you have to include his brother's death into it too. Like, and rather than having a separate theory for everything. My take on Kennedy, and when, once I explain it, people are like, oh, dang, that's that's what happened. I mean, it makes perfect sense. It just takes a long time to say all of it. <laughs> well, we kind of have to be initiated in the mob and st- like know about what was going on already before you can start explaining it, you know? Yeah. And no, there's... The guy that's really good on that is Doug Valentine. Uh, he's very good on the golden age of the mob. Lansky and Hank Greenspun, the rest of it. Ermep has a, a, got a lot of good documents on Greenspun. Uh, he was a weapons runner. But he also used uh, his profits to set up uh, Mo Dalitz in the Flamingo Hotel. It took over Bugsy Siegel's operations and uh, eventually sold it to the Fertitas, by the way, <laughs> from UFC. Yep. Wow. <laughs> I didn't say their name. I didn't say their name. <laughs> Well, not, they didn't do it. They just bought it from mobsters, right? But, well, and it was weird because, like I said, there I, was some intermarriage in the families, though. 
I've I've chewed on so much of the JFK stuff, and you hit me up to a lot of this stuff, kind of the, the the Israeli role with Kennedy went to inspect the nuclear sites over there, as well as you know you always heard about the mafia, the mafia, and I never really looked at the Russian slash kind of Jewish mafia and that role, and then I started researching more deep into Maya Lansky and just I mean, granted the Italian mafia was powerful as well, but the Jewish mafia was was just. Crazy yeah, those power. were the top two, and they overlap here and there. Yeah, but yeah. it's Jacob Rubinstein that shoots Oswald. Right. Uh, you know, Carlos Marcello is Italian, I guess, but he and Traficante were moving drugs and guns back and forth to Israel and and to See, Cuba. See, we need it. Like, we need it. We're, we're jumping ahead because we need to have you for this is September 11th. We're now we're talking. Yeah, let's, we, let's cycle back. So, so no, yeah, the no, point like, is focusing on the physics. Exactly, exactly. So all Ryan, I can at maximum do is tell you what didn't happen. Exactly, it still doesn't tell you what did happen. Precisely, and getting more into that, the politics of 9/11. I mean, obviously, you know, right. we have, we have some time here, so. If you can break down how it wasn't nineteen Saudi hijackers with box cutters, right? Well, only fifteen of those nineteen were Saudi or had Saudi passports from the oh, okay, okay. Uh, Springfield, they they were on the fast track program, so just because they had a passport from there doesn't even really mean that's where they're Who from. Who greenlit those right. those passports being uh, acquired? Wasn't that the fast track program was set up by our own CIA? There you go. Yeah. I thought it was John Brennan. Or, I, th- I thought there was a name attached to it, but maybe not. Well, I mean, like, who set up the whole program was the CIA, though. Okay. They they let them in. I mean, the, they let in they let in the blind shake before the World Trade Center bombing of 1993. He was in an Egyptian prison. How the hell did he get into One of those guys had a recording of how the FBI was setting him up. Uh, like, the FBI gave him the explosives for that, for that first run. You familiar with that? Yeah, some of them said he was their informant, and... Uh, was telling his handlers, "Look, this this is the target. They're, they're here's our warehouse. They're making the bomb." And they pulled him off the case. They said it's because he wanted more money. Give him the money. See, they were obsessed. They were like, "Yeah, we're we're not worried about them. Uh, we we want you to wear a wire and get the blind shake to uh, incriminate himself, so that we can get the blind shake." And he did that, and, but they still never swooped down. And because he was pulled off the case uh, as the bomb maker, they lost their informant, and then Ramzi Youssef was sent to replace him. And he's the real mastermind of 9 11 because Ramzi Youssef's the one that formulated the Millennial Plot and Bojinka Plot and using airplanes as weapons. And he did successfully pull off the 93 bombing and wasn't caught for another year. So he's in prison with Kaczynski right now. <laughs> Same spot in Colorado? Yet, yet, yet he hasn't been suicided like Epstein. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's in Colorado. So so the so the major politics behind it, my friend. I mean, you're looking at now 18, 20 years of defense contracts, con- private contractors, trillions, trillions trillions of dollars redrawing the map, balkanization of certain regions throughout the world, Middle East, Africa, we're moving into South America, et cetera, et cetera. What what was it all about, man? What key bono? Who benefited and what was it really well, all about in a your lot opinion? Of- a lot of industries profited from this new war on terror to replace the Cold War. The Cold War used to be the, I won't call it a budgetary excuse because there really was a Cold War, like there really was a Soviet Union and all, but it was good for business. Right. It's not like that. I'm not saying they manufactured it or anything. I mean, it, it was real, but that was the gift that kept on giving. And they would over-exaggerate threats, and sometimes they invented them, like... Uh, I have a film called Decades of Deception that shows a lot of shenanigans that happen in Central America where 
the Americans brought in, or the CIA brought in our own guns, pointed to them and said, ah, look, the Soviets, and then went in, right? Right. Uh, and so a lot of things were overblown, but the Cold War was an excuse, and it really wasn't a Cold War. Millions of people died. Millions of Vietnamese were killed. Uh, people died in the Bay of Pigs. People, there was a lot of fighting in Afghanistan, especially, that a lot of people died in the quote-unquote Cold War. Right. But it was mostly, uh, I guess, mostly foreigners. Uh, we did lose tens of thousands in Vietnam, supposedly fighting war on communism, but it was really a for a uh, bell helicopter and heroin. I call it the, the war of heroin and helicopters. But that, uh, with the Soviet Union falling, um, and throughout the 90s, Clinton actually closing bases down, and they were looking for something, and they tried domestic terrorism first. They had OKC and going after white supremacist groups and stuff, but that just wasn't... Everyone knows that isn't real enough. You know, it wasn't there. The Oklahoma City bombing was the largest terrorist attack on American uh, soil after Waco uh, until September 11th. Right. But uh, with September 11th, you had all these neocons in the Bush administration who had been pushing. They tried to blackmail Clinton into a war in Iraq too. That's how he got Lewinsky, and he did bomb mm. them while he mm. was being uh, convicted. And when the Senate didn't confirm his impeachment, then he called off the attack. So, I but remember that. Yeah. He went into Bosnia and did other plenty of bad right. things. Both yeah, the funny did, scuttle, but he go as far as Bush. That Lewinsky, right? Lewinsky was a possible intelligence player. She's a honey trap, a hundred percent. Who yeah. saves a dress with semen on it? Come on, <laughs> I mean that's a honey trap. Linda Tripp, uh, dude, the hottest chick on the planet. Kenneth Starr, who was also a lawyer for Epstein. I mean, he's in. It's in that whole clique. He's on this map. Oh, dude, it's, we're gonna get into it. We're gonna get to it. But, um, yeah, that, that the purpose of 9-11 for the U.S. incentive was replacing the Cold War with the war on terror, a war that can never end because it's a war on a tactic, you know. You well, can, and I, can I remember reading the, uh, the um, oh God, what was it, the Brzezinski book, um, The Grand Chessboard. I think it's like the first couple paragraphs. It's like the U.S. must always have a stronghold in Eurasia, whatever they take. Goldstein, yeah. And, I mean, oh, he's, he, he's the father of, yeah, exactly. And he's the father of, you know, funding the first Mujahideen against the, the Soviets, which was obviously in our beneficial interest. But that kept going on throughout throughout decades. And that's essentially kind of what we're seeing now, bro. The byproduct, as we know, of 9-11 is us funding all these proxy armies. And, you know, I think well, the you U.S. Meant... set up a uh, so the U.S. was the U.S. and Israel have already been joined at the hip since assassinating Kennedy. And in 1976, they brought the Saudis into the fray because in response to the Yom Kippur War of 73, the there was the OPEC oil weapon. So there were gas lines in the 70s, and they realized we can't beat you militarily, we can't beat you economically, but we have this one vital resource, and if all of us uh, jack up the price, you can't afford it. So they needed to break up OPEC. In the Middle East, the country with the most oil reserves is Saudi Arabia. So they, if we can get Saudi Arabia, OPEC is done because you can't have a cartel once there's a, a rate breaker, right? So right. they they pulled the Saudis into their wing to join with the Israelis into this nexus called the Safari Club. And the French and the yeah. Moroccans brothers were members, and so was Iran, but only for a couple of years because after the revolution in 79, they're out of the click, of course. But uh, people don't understand that these Wahhabi and Zionists, these religious fanatics, they're useful cannon fodder, right? It's useful rhetoric to generate wars with their neighbors. And people think Saudi Arabia and Israel are at odds. Not at all. I mean, they're both funding ISIS right now. Right. And they both they both supported uh, Al-Qaeda. 
But one of the other thing that makes Saudi Arabia a soft target is it's a monarchy. So you only need to bribe a few people and you've got control of the whole country, yes. right? And they also need to have uh, this uh, militant Islamic form of Islam because the justification to have a monarchy is from their religion. So it, they need to have that, and it needs to be the Sunni version and not Shiite version. Otherwise, a different family will get it. So that's the real political tension behind the right. supposed theological debate. It's not a theological debate any more than Protestants and Catholics. I mean, it's almost the same faith. It's just right. a little bit lineage of Muhammad or whatever. That's not it. It's about tribal nepotism. If this group's in power, this group gets all the jobs. If the other group's in power, that one gets all the jobs. That's what the, really, the real tension is. But Saudi Arabia, with the royals, was able to set up a, a foreign bank called BCCI, yes. which was used to uh, launder money to terrorists. Uh, they needed a way to, off the books, um, push money and wash money and get it to out what's now al-Qaeda uh, and in Afghanistan, for example, and a lot of groups throughout Eastern Europe, etc. And... The source of the money, of course, was the narcotics trade. Uh, that was a big chunk of it. Uh, heroin from Vietnam, for example. Mm -hmm. And then uh, once they have the narcotics trade, that's an off-the-books budget. But then you can't just uh, give somebody billions of dollars unexplained, like how they get all this money and guns, right? So that you have to say, oh, they're selling the narcotics, right? They're, they're the ones running the opium trade in Afghanistan and make all this money and end up with helicopters and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> uh, so... This BCCI was able to to funnel money uh, and wash it, and the Saudis set up this bank in Pakistan physically, but it's a Saudi uh, creation. And that was their role in uh, in the safari club. The Israelis had most of the translators and intelligence on the entire Arab world was from them. Our offices really don't have that many translators. It can't speak Farsi, can't speak Turkish, can't speak Azerbaijani. That we don't really have a lot of linguists. The Israelis do, and the U.S. relied heavily on them for intelligence in that region of the world. And, of course, they always lie to us. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also a lot of just um, religious ideological overlap between Christian Zionists and, and Jews. So they just are on Team Israel because that's what they're familiar with, you know. And also uh, the people they need to steal stuff from are on the other side. So... <laughs> You go with it, go against the side that has the resources you want. Israel doesn't really have much in the way of uh, of uh, raw resources or anything. Well, so, as, as we're going to talk about with the Epstein stuff, they did get uh, a, a certain company of that faith or of that ilk did get uh, drilling rights in the Golan Heights. But uh, as, as well, Glenn Dubin and there's several connections to Genie Energy and Golan Heights. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. that that is nothing compared to the amount of money that's under the sand that they stole from Iraq, that they stole from, that sure. they finessed from Saudi Arabia, et cetera. But well, and again, this like, group was already in place before 9-11. I want to stress to people that the Israelis and the Saudis, uh, Israel and the U.S. worked together in Iran-Contra too, but these international cliques, it's not just the CIA or something. It's right. GID, the Mossad, and CIA have been working for decades already financing and creating al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. And then after 9-11, you see these same factions running guns and money and supporting ISIS and al-Qaeda in Syria. Right. So if they're supporting al-Qaeda and creating al-Qaeda before 9-11, they're supporting al-Qaeda after 9-11. But you want to think during 9-11 that none of these groups, they were just completely independent and did that all by themselves exactly. and none of these intelligence agencies had anything to do with it? That's <laughs> so naive. Right. And we right. have evidence of it. The problem is... 
uh, I think it was a, they had a green light. It's not like they did this behind America's back. We, we all did it. Uh, Robert Mueller covered up for the Saudis. The excuse is, oh, well, Bandar Bush is so close to the Bushes, it would be embarrassing for the president or something. Well, no, you end that relationship and go after him. I mean, it, it wasn't that. It's because the whole thing would come down. And the Israelis really have Saudi by the short hairs right now because if Saudi Arabia doesn't, you know, do what we say to up oil production or, or lower it, you know, if they don't uh, act as a proxy against Iran, if they don't behave at any moment, uh, Israel, which definitely runs our press, can say, bam, Saudi Arabia, Bandar Bush and Princeton uh, bin Turk Fasil, through their wives, sent money to Omar Bayoumi and Hassan Basnan, who finance hijackers in California and Louisiana, Khalid al-Mildhar and al-Hazmi. And they were pilots, on, they were uh, on Flight 77, not pilots, they were on Flight 77, they hit the Pentagon. And it's important to admit that that hit the Pentagon, because if you don't have that plane, then you don't have them, and if you don't have them, right. you don't have a Saudi connection. But they have that blackmail over Saudi Arabia forever. They're not going to report on their own role in 9-11, and Saudi Arabia can't report on it, because Saudi Arabia doesn't run the press. Right. So Israel has a huge influence over our media. I mean, the, there's a 45-year conflict in Palestine, and we still call uh, Jewish colonies neighborhoods. Right. <laughs> like, they top the bottom uh, run the show on on the propaganda in the Middle East. Well, and the underreporting of all the things you're talking about, snipers hitting kids yeah, in the I mean, genitals. and I mean, it's... They shoot kids in the balls, and they, they sit out in lawn chairs and watch this guy that gets bombed. It's horrific. But the thing is, Saudi Arabia has a very bad public image in the United States, whereas Israel's got a pretty good image for the plebs, at least. Uh, so if it came out in the media that Saudi Arabia had a role in 9-11, oh, they're toast, literally toast. Israel, so they will be... I mean, if, if Israel decided that Saudi Arabia is getting out of line, all they got to do is simultaneously have their talking heads explain any of the known points that are already admitted in the JS report and others that Saudi Arabia royals finance 9-11 hijackers. Oh, okay. Bam. That's all they got to do. And it was interesting. Like, do you remember the 28 pages, the infamous yeah. 28 pages? I had already, in my film, a year and a half before the this got unredacted, written out everything that was in the 28 pages and the way i was able to do that is because i went to the same field office primary sources and read exactly where they read it from uh, which you know took a few foyers and all and it was a little bit of a pain but <laughs> we already had that information and a few people were talking about it but you know it what's interesting is if this is legit and it is and it's all fbi field office reports from mainly the west coast i mean we like from Phoenix and Denver and so, and like all west of the Mississippi at least. And this is where you're getting your intel on the Saudi role in 9-11 and giving them logistical support and buying an apartment, living with them for a month. We had a, a Saudi informant live with them for a month. The other guy lived across the street from them. One of them got a job even. Like this is, they've been handled uh, given, because they couldn't speak English. They had people there helping them, holding their hand the whole way, putting them on to go east and all that and yet wouldn't you then want to read the field office reports from the east too wouldn't you want to know what miami said what newark said what right. new york city say right and almost nobody bothered to look at it but if you do look at it it goes all into the israeli role and saudi role. well that was almost the, the necessitation for supposedly these 15 new intelligence agencies because 
<clears throat> excuse me, the FBI doesn't talk to the CIA, the CIA doesn't talk to the FBI, so we need to create all these new intelligence agencies so communication can be, you know, augmented. It's just, yes. it's insane. Well, they wanted the DHS as the hub because they're, they always blame incompetence, but their excuse because these hijackers that Saudi Arabia was financing were known already as Al-Qaeda members. They had been witnessed... Uh, meeting Khalid Sheikh Mohammed in Malaysia at an Al-Qaeda summit meeting. And Doing Al-Qaeda CIA, shit. Sorry. They had, Al-Qaeda had a meeting. <laughs> it's not hilarious. Like, but all the Al-Qaeda heads are there. And these guys who are going to flight schools, who are meeting with oh, and stayed the night with uh, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, are then living in the United States with their real names, with a Saudi informant who bought them a house, like, it's insane the levels of logistical and financial support that they got from Saudi Arabia. But our own CIA did not inform the FBI that these two had entered the country and were living in California. They didn't tell them until August of 2001. And by then, they weren't in California anymore. They had moved over to the east and were getting ready to do 9-11. Uh, so there's no excuse for that. Why didn't the CIA tell the FBI what was going on? I mean, well, obviously, like they're supposed to reach their target. We are shielding them from local law enforcement because it's not like everyone's in on this. You know, exactly. all you need is the top bottleneck. So police who are trying, who are monitoring people and, and the FBI who are trying to follow Al Qaeda suspects in the East, every time they, they try to get into their telecommunications processes, they'd change them. It's like they, they kept staying two steps ahead of them. And we found out later that com Converse and InfoSeek, two Israeli software programs, 50% uh, owned by the Israeli government, had a backdoor channel to all communications. So, and were, they actually were moving the hijackers around, physically moved them around. With uh, um, They had six different moving companies. One of them was called Urban Moving Systems. Heard of that one, yeah. Another was, yeah. Um, then there was White Glove. And... Um, the one that got caught moving was it something international. It's, I'm getting a brain fart. I've explained this so many times. <laughs> All this blends together. International movers. It's called Classic International Movers. That one moved uh, a 9-11 hijacker from Florida up to New Jersey. And there seems to be more, but it's all redacted. But when you have pages of whited-out information, it means something bad they don't want you to know, right? But you can infer. I rosetta-stoned a lot of it because they did six reports and they didn't redact the exact same things in each report. So you can kind of piece together, this one has this sentence, that one has that sentence, and you can get the most of the story, and you can get the names because the names were in the police report. <laughs> and then the FBI doesn't have the names, but it has their dates of birth, and we, so we're combining the two. It, it was a lot of legwork, but I put it all together, and I put it all in a movie, um, <laughs> but it explains this Israeli role. And these front companies, Dominic Souter, who ran Urban Moving Systems in New Jersey, uh, fled to Israel. He left furniture stranded, just just sitting in the warehouse, like mid move. Uh, closed the business and ran away, because five of his employees were busted in a van that had traces of explosives, uh, who had earlier in the day been witnessed celebrating the 9/11 attacks. There are pictures of them now that were released last May. They whited out the faces, but I took their mug shots and put them on top of the white squares so you could kind of see what it probably looked like. Uh, they were celebrating the attacks, and then 
you dig through the FBI files, you find out the the driver of the van, Sivan Kersberg, he had actually been to Doric Towers where where they were seen celebrating, standing up on top of the van and flicking lighters on September 10th, the day before 9-11. They were there at 8 in the morning. The attacks don't happen for, for, until 45 minutes later. So they were just sitting there smoking cigarettes in a parking lot, looking at the World Trade Centers, waiting for this to happen. Then they're taking pictures. They're filming it. They're celebrating they get in their van and drive away. So what was Trump talking about when he said something about the dancing Arabs? Was he just mis... Dancing Middle Easterners. Yeah, whatever it was. Well, they were from the Middle East. They're from Israel. Oh, they weren't okay. Arab. Okay, my bad. They weren't he, he then conflated that because Dan Rathers went on with uh, David Letterman, I believe it was. He went on whatever one of those late shows Yeah. and was talking about uh, the people across the Hudson River celebrating. And... But he didn't know they were Israeli. And once it came out that they were, you'd never heard about that story again. That's for sure. Not on TV. Uh, But they were celebrating because they knew. And this is not the Mossad. These are not the people that uh, the A-team. These guys are in their 20s. These aren't crack uh, seasoned Mossad agents. This is like the C-team at best. Yeah. They're just people that had foreknowledge and didn't have enough discipline to just lock it down. Shut up. Right. So they had to go there and film it and get their trophy videos and... Got a, I have an inner spat on my Discord that I, I want those kids to sort out on their own. They keep <laughs> it is 9-11 season. I'm sure you know, you're in demand. When, it, when yeah. it comes to these front companies, were these front companies then dissolved right after all of them, or do they still exist? I mean, because obviously we know the CIA has a lot of different types of companies for different mm-hmm. operations and fronts. Uh, well, so. what was interesting is White Glove Movers, there are two companies with the same name. And so it seems like what they did is they, I think one's white glove and one's white gloves or something okay. like a letter different or whatever. And I don't want anybody to like go and harass them. They had nothing to do with it. But they are, they got, they took names that were pretty close to companies that actually already existed. But Dominic Souter took out a half million dollar loan just in 2001. Nothing prior and obviously nothing after because at 12 in the afternoon on 9-11, he shut his doors and ran away. Right. Uh and he and his wife fled back to Israel. They got on the first plane available and were out of there. The employees that were caught, they they had had a huge party on September 10th. And I have the flyers for the DJ that they used. So I contact the DJ that wow. played the music in Brooklyn where the brothers were, Paul and Sivan Kersberg. And Joran Schmel was there. Omar, uh, uh, sorry, Omir Mamari was there. And uh, Oded Elmer was there. Karen something another was there just have her first name but um, all these people from these different moving companies were having this huge party in Brooklyn as you do on a random Monday in September on a minimum wage furniture moving job right, uh, <laughs> right. But, but they go they, they're celebrating uh, again after the planes hit they're filming it and then they got up on the roof of Urban Moving System because both towers had been hit already, and they're filming them collapse, right? They're, and a weird thing that's in the report is somebody says to Mamari, because it's in his interrogation, so I know who's being talked to, right. but I don't know which one of them. I think it's Yarn Shmuel just based on the uh, amount of letters in the white space, but whatever. It could also be Dominic Souter. He doesn't have a C in his name, by the way. Uh, somebody had told him, come up to the roof, they're about to take down the second building. And it's like he thought they meant 
the authorities, like the Americans took it down on purpose so it didn't go like that and crush a bunch of buildings, whatever. Because this guy really wasn't part of the clique. He'd only been there a couple weeks. He only joined the the box. He was in the secondary business of like building boxes and stuff. He wasn't even a mover. But he was there because he'd wrecked uh, Sivan Kersberg and he had served in the army together. And he just noticed him one day and was like, oh, yeah, I can get you a job uh, doing this. So he was he shut his mouth or kept out of the loop because they would have private meetings. The Hungarians and Russians, the guys that actually did the lifting and the work work uh, for the moves, would say that the Israelis would have these private meetings <clears throat> in Hebrew, uh, whether they were not privy to. And I doubt they're talking about, you know, strategies for moving couches or something. But they were in there. There were 17 computer hard drives for this little moving operation, right? Uh, which have been confiscated, but we don't know what's on them. I'd love to know. That's something that, that we ought to have attention on and FOIA requests for find out what's on these hard drives, but nope. And a guy that really um, stuck it to him on this was Justin Ramondo from antiwar.com. He wrote a book called The Terra Enigma, Israel and 9-11 Connection. He passed away in June this year, but that guy was on top of this from the beginning, but he got so inundated with the kook movement, like attacking him, that he just was like, and gave up, just stopped talking about it, right? But he he'd followed the... All the primary sources on the early day of the Jewish Daily Forward, the, uh, the Virgin Record from New Jersey, um, reports on Army Radio, everything that was going on in the day. If you pieced it all together, you started getting this more clear picture about these guys. Now, these guys, they're just sort of like the avenue to a bunch of other characters and more and all the other fronts. And it, But they're the ones, they're the morons that sat there and celebrated and got caught and thrown in prison for seven <laughs> days, right? And I have their interrogations, even if it's even though they're heavily, heavily redacted. There's a lot you can deduce. There's a part in there where they refer to the brothers. So I know Sivan and Paul are brothers. So I'm like, that one's Sivan and that one's Paul. So if that one's Mamari, these two can only be, you know, like that kind of deduction stuff. There was also a part where they forgot to redact a footnote about the Jewish agency when Paul Kersberg, the one that failed all his polygraph tests, even though he, he refused to take one for a month. Uh, they all failed, by the way. He's saying um, that they were sent there by the Jewish agency. Well, the Jewish agency, which was the precursor to the Israeli government in the in the war in '48, uh, now they deal with uh, moving around diaspora and stuff like that. But we all they it's, it's well known. Everybody knows. There's plenty of books about it that they're a Mossad-like uh, operation. That they but they what they do is specialize on spying on Arab terrorists and infiltrating groups and blaming things on others and false flags. That is their By way of deception, thing. by way of deception. And get this. The wealthiest man in Israel, Ertime Wertheimer, is on the board of governors for the Jewish agency. This is the man that had the police commissioner of New York fly to Israel on August 26th to the 29th and gave him a quarter million dollars and a loan that had no no um, contract or anything of why, when you have to pay this back or what it's for or anything. Rate, and he nothing. didn't do it directly. He did it through a middleman named uh, Bod Witkoff who moves marble around in uh, New York, which is deeply tied to the Gambino family and da-da-da-da, which Carrick then later went to prison for 10 years uh, for his role in fraud and also uh, taking bribes from the mafia to give them specific uh, contracts and buildings and so on. You look it up Bernard Carrick, the guy that found a 9-11 uh, passport <laughs> on right. September 11th. He's the police commissioner. 
he's been taking a quarter million dollars through an intermediary from the wealthiest man in Israel on the board of governors of the Jewish agency who sent the people there for a moving company caught celebrating the attacks and also traces of explosives in their van. Now, other vans are also found that day in Pennsylvania and in New York. And it's just, it's this long web. And I, I made a five hour documentary about it, but very interesting one is the aero trucks outfit which is what they use to make their moving vans you just put your logo on a generic truck right is was in tennessee and a lot of these guys got uh driver's license in tennessee because you don't need a, or you at that time you didn't need a social security number to get a license in tennessee and that's to make it easier because there's a lot of trucking in tennessee fedex etc they all move through there and so that's why they did that they're not thinking 9-11 is going to happen but there was a serendipitous case where, and it's tragic because people died, but um, the DMV did a sting, had the FBI was watching them and did a sting on a group that was getting a lot of IDs for people that shouldn't have them. And there was, they focused on this DMV employee named Catherine Smith who was getting these uh, licenses for people who were doing whatever with them in these aero trucks. And the sting hits six guys in the parking lot of the DMV. The ringleader was named Khalid Odala, who had bought a car for Catherine. Yeah, that's where she got her car. And five other guys, all from uh, you can guess where. And on the one of them, this guy named Sakura Hamad, who had a cousin also with last name Hamad, uh, who was in the World Trade Center. He had a card for this Dinko Mechanical Magic Heating and Plumbing Company, which didn't exist, by the way. That allow and a pass to do work in the basement levels of the World Trade Center dated September 5th. Wow. And they asked them, what are you, were you guys doing there? They said they're, uh, they're working on the sprinkler systems, the fire prevention systems that failed, by the way. So they were breaking the fire prevention systems. And Jesus. you can bet there was a team in the other tower. They just didn't get caught. Because if they're in, the, I think this was the South Tower, they were in the North Tower. And so the fire prevention systems... Uh, if you don't have, if that doesn't come on and it, and you hit 90 some floors up in the air, you're almost guaranteed that at least part of the building is going to collapse. Like if you can't get hoses on it and you don't have any water coming down as it should be, you're, you're, you're maximizing damage. You're maximizing, uh, your, your ability to do damage. And so but is it hot enough to melt steel, Ryan? Well, you don't have to melt steel. You just have to weaken it enough to drop its load. So. For that, for it <laughs> no, not to be to be able to bear the weight above it. What happened? It wasn't the steel beams uh, melting or breaking. It was the joints that connect them that gave way, and it is hot enough to do that. I'm not going to argue about physics. No, <laughs> I was. You know, I, I was just. Even, I was half I fucking around. <laughs> Yeah, I know. But there, there, need, there needs there to be a band. There, there's a band. Steel, there's molten metal, not <clears throat> molten steel. There needs to be a band combining the JFK and the 9-11 called the... It sing- does, no, like, no, 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 hold on. The, the band, the band is names. called... The People band. working in the towers, right? I'm giving you names. And, and this physics, right? So I'm like, I'm not even... <laughs> no, no, I, I, I feel you. I, I know, I'm not even going there with you. But the band <laughs> is like, called Single Pancake Theory. That's the name of the band combined. They don't pancake like this. It's what people do is they're judging, they're watching. Oh, this is the last thing on physics, I swear, but they're looking at <laughs> the exterior of the building going like that, right? But they don't understand that behind those walls, inside, that's already collapsed. The it's core. a tube structure. Most of that on the upper floors, it doesn't have the the beams all the way up to the 90th floor. It only went up to like 32 levels and then switched so the concrete could be pulverized. 
And I mean, there's steel in the concrete, but it gets smaller as you, it tapers as you go up. But this, it's called a tube structure. It was all the bang in the 60s. Uh, what you're seeing go down uh, has already been gutted for a lot. And you've got a third of the building dropping. The amount, the impact that that would make, just falling one floor with no fires at all or whatever, is about 10% of the Hiroshima bomb. Like it was going to plow right through that. It's no, it's not a mystery. If you want to talk to real engineers and stuff, not AE 911. AE 911s the same group that said, "Oh, an airplane would have to smash through six reinforced walls at the Pentagon with steel and concrete." Not true. The Pentagon is shaped like a crown that a king would wear. It's got rings on the top, and it's just one straight tube on the bottom. Plane went in, one wall, and the uh, landing gear punched a hole in the C ring. That's it. The rest is just sheetrock and stuff. There aren't six rings. That's all bull. If you don't know what the architecture of a building is, then you don't get to have an architectural opinion <laughs> or an engineering opinion. Right. You, you know what the building like. You know, like right, right. this is the same charlatans running around. They have this new study from Alaska. Which I was just about new. to ask you, Leroy Holsey. The same one they did in 2017, and they didn't fix any of the problems they did two years ago. Yeah, like, you sent me that. It's, yeah. uh, I, I don't even want to. I get real triggered on that. Like I I'm want with to focus you. on who did it. I no, that's ultimately did. the larger <laughs> question, bro. I mean, that's I mean these guys in Tennessee, by the way, thrown in prison except for the ringleader. Guess where he goes? Israel, just like Dominic Souter. They let him leave. But his fall guys, they're in prison. They're not in prison for nine eleven, they're in prison for false IDs and so on. But they want to question them about the role of nine eleven. Like, hey, what's going on there? Uh why were you guys doing work? in the basement on the sprinkler systems when the Port Authority didn't hire you and the PA is the one in charge of that. Now the PA at that time, uh, they're the ones that sold the properties to Larry Silverstein just before 9-11, right? And Kushner, uh, Charles Kushner is the one that's trying to finesse himself to become the chairman of the PA later, but, uh, and bought up property. I was going to ask you about happened, that a little right? bit. Yeah. Bought up 50 million square feet just in case something happened. All these people would have somewhere to go. Like they're all, that's the other thing. Following the financial trail, right. there's yes. so much meat there, and people don't. Bother well, you just you just helped me out with a perfect segue, bro. So that was like, I, I, you know, you got to appreciate Ryan's analysis on that. Lip. Catherine Smith was murdered the day before the trial, burned alive, so f severely burned her arms had fallen off her body, and her car was uh, was burned. Everything was burned. So the key witness in that case was murdered while they're in prison except for Odala which means someone out of the prison had to kill her an FBI wow. agent named Susan Nash uh reported and it was in USA today and some other papers that there's gasoline in her clothing so that's arson that's murder she didn't dump when people commit suicide they take pills they hang them very very few people burn themselves to death you know right. and women especially if it is a violent death it's usually men that choose that Women, the day before a trial, don't set themselves on fire in their car. You get right? that one cat recently charged the White House and set himself on fire and charged the White House? Some scary shit. Yeah. But no, yeah. this is a perfect, perfect segue, my friend. I mean, the, the finances that are always all over this. You talk, go back to your BCCI, and now mm -hmm. we're, we're seeing the new incarnation of the BCCI is essentially, and help me out, HSBC. We're going to mm -hmm. talk about Jeffrey Epstein, my friend, and all we've heard in the news for years, quite frankly, is about Jeffrey Epstein's and his proclivities and, and, and all, everything relating to his sexual proclivities. And, and I don't mean to make light of this, but we're going to find out that it goes well beyond that, ladies and gentlemen. They worked hard and they played hard. Jeffrey Epstein was a part of not just 
facilitating the trafficking of children. He was washing the money for drugs, arms, guns. I mean, and this goes back a very, very long way. And I'm going to put a link to what Ryan has done. It's essentially, he calls it, I guess, the Epstein Maps. And it's essentially a flow chart, you know what I mean, of all these different associations. And it'll blow your fucking mind. How it goes. The maps are necessary because it's so many names and businesses. So, you need a physical. So many, so many yeah. that we've all heard of. You know, Seagrams, the Bro- you know the Brothmans, the, the Wexners, Victoria's Secrets. It's insane. The group, yep. the, and mm-hmm. Mega, we're, I'm going to ask you all about that. So I mean, as we kind of wind down, and we're going to wind down with this subject, but I'm going to more kind of throw out names and kind of associations, and you kind of explain who this is. Um, but I mean, just overall, Jeffrey Epstein, this guy in my opinion, was was a part of um, a Mossad operation, a honeypot blackmail operation, blackmailing people to, like you said earlier, you know, whether it's politics or whatever it is, basically to get people to trying, do... Mostly trying to steal uh, technology and, and scientific... And that's uh, another... Endeavors. That's what I want to get into, how, how tech companies are hugely, hugely related to this. This involves Nexium too, you guys, Smallville, the Allison Mack, who was just pinched with the whole Smallville because... Her family, the uh, who is it, uh, the, the daughters of Charles Brothman were involved with Claire Brothman. Was Claire Brothman, pleaded guilty. Yeah. So, off the top, Jeffrey Epstein is arrested once again, not to, a while ago, in 2004, whatever it was. Got the sweetheart deal from, I guess, the U.S. attorney at the time in Florida, who wound up becoming the labor secretary of Trump, uh, Mr. Acosta, who was relieved of his duties recently. But Epstein's arrested, and we all were like, "What the fuck? He's arrested? That's crazy." There's this gets into the whole like who's the white hat That's Trump etc. Surprising thing that to me again that, yeah I, I was that wondering was the most shocking thing in the whole thing is oh you really rearrested him. <laughs> so who okay so who did that who is obviously clearly it's not the deep state because they don't do you think he's dead first of all do you think he's actually dead? Oh yeah because okay. he's useless alive he can't do anything for him he's got too much heat on him and if he so much as started talking to other inmates or whatever they're toast and he was gonna plea bargain that little sissy couldn't stay in jail. Like, he'd never really gone to jail before. He lived in a apartment adjacent to the jail, and six days a week he got on work release, right, where he's still meeting. <laughs> well, with, and he even uh, told people how he couldn't be arrested place. for this and that. I mean, he was he had yeah. some juice. The guy had, had definitely had some juice, and we're going to get into— The last thing he said is, see you on Sunday. Yeah. Right? He, Twelve hours a day he was meeting with attorneys. He was still having sex. He was having female lawyers come in on conjugal visits, and he would go and meet with them. And he was still, you know, he's still laughing at it all. And he thought he could get it out on appeal and he'd be able to, to have house arrest in his New York mansion and continue his life. And uh, they needed him to go away because Jeslene Maxwell can disappear and has uh, Jean-Luc Brunel can disappear and has. But there are certain people who can't disappear. Prince Andrew can't disappear. So let, let's Clinton do a, Let's disappear. do a little cliff notes. Can we throw out the names? We got to qualify for anybody who might be just listening and getting their news about Epstein from this particular outlet or yours. Jislene Maxwell was was the daughter of uh, what's his name, Roger uh, Robert. Robert Maxwell, Maxwell, who who died suspiciously, who apparently had ties to foreign intelligence and Mossad, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. He fell off a boat naked and drowned. Yeah, fell off the Jislene or whatever the uh, fell off his own yacht. Yeah, which was named after his daughter, and then his daughter winds Jumped up kind of linking up with um, with Jeffrey Epstein. But then it doesn't really stop there. Daughter start a software <clears throat> company. Yes, yeah. I was just going to say you need to go to Ryan's Epstein map because essentially Christine Maxwell, she headed up what is it? I think it was a Chiliad Chiliad software company. And I think in 2004, Chiliad Software Company, which Jislene Maxwell's sister, Maxwell's sister Christine, headed up, 
installed their particular type of software into the FBI counterterrorism database, the CIA, the NSA. And Ryan just mentioned a little earlier about backdoors and how they really fucking spy on people. So this yeah, goes. They developed that on their own. Exactly. That's why I say this goes so far beyond as, as horrible. I mean, God, we can't even get it. It's hard to listen to some of the horrible shit they do to children, but it goes so far beyond that. Backers are the mega group, which is the wealthiest Zionists in the world. Created click. Um, all the Bronfens are in it. Leslie Wexner's in it. Steinhardt's in there. All, it's a who's who's list of prominent billionaire Zionists. And the sole purpose is to influence Canadian U.S. policy uh, in the direction that, that Israel wants. And they set up – Leslie Wexner gave him a $77 million home. You don't just give people mansions in New York, right? Uh, and they set up the Wexner Foundation – uh, which was a way that Epstein was on the, was chairman of, by the way. They got mm-hmm. to push money into the coffers of Ehud Barat. So when you're saying, why now? Like, who went after him? It's not the deep state, da 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 The reason that Epstein was thrown under the bus is because this week, Israel has an election, and Ehud Barat is running against Netanyahu. Yeah. And Epstein, uh, there are pictures of Ehud Barat trying to wear, you know, disguise himself, yeah. visiting the New York rape mansion. And he was also on flight list to the Caribbean. And his phone numbers and everything are also in Epstein's black book. So this, and Netanyahu's tweeting the pictures of Barack and saying, oh, Barack, his watch is uh, going to Epstein's, right? This is a way of smearing his competitor. Barack, on the other hand, is is talking about the corruption scandal of both Netanyahu and his wife, right? So there's a huge smear campaign right. in Israel. Trump personally hates Epstein and has for a long time. Let me tell you a quick story of the history of these two. Because all the press has said is they keep quoting that thing with Trump saying, oh, Epstein likes him on the younger side or whatever. Right. And I haven't been his friend for 15 years. Well, let me tell you what happened 15 years ago. It was a real estate deal or something. That... It's, that's exactly what happened. Les Wexner used to own the property adjacent to Trump's Mar Largo and sold it to this guy named um, it Gavin. Oh, it doesn't matter. But this guy got in trouble with the law and had to liquidate his assets. So, fire sale. And Epstein knew that Trump wanted these properties because if he got it adjacent to his, he could expand it into a large resort, which he ended up doing. So Epstein goes and gets Trump, and he's rubbing his nose in it because Trump was in financial turmoil. Everyone knew it. He's acting like he had more money than he had. Uh, and Epstein gave him a tour of the property. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And this is everyone, like whoever got this would be able to flip it. And it would have been extra great for Donald Trump because it's adjacent to property he already owns. He could add that on. And he really wanted it, but he didn't have the money. And Epstein was about to buy this and put it back into the Wexner empire, right? which was his financial uh, parent, you could say. Uh, and Trump, through the Hyatt that he had invested in so much, uh, combined with the Apprentice show that he pulled in, was able to pull the funds together and outbid Epstein by just like $1 million and take the whole thing and flipped it for a huge sum of money. And so Epstein was livid and said he was going to expose Trump and how he didn't have any money. He was going to tell everyone how, you know, we used to deliver you lunch when you were crying under the covers because you were broke and he was going to embarrass him. <laughs> so Trump decided, okay, he stuck the police on Epstein, even though Epstein had um, 
donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to Palm Beach. When he was at Mar Largo, he actually hit on employees there, like, well, the daughters of employees, like their children. Yeah. Uh, Jesley Maxwell is hanging around around the uh, locker room of the tennis courts, and that's where they met uh, Virginia Roberts right. and other girls. Jane Doe, two, three, four. They're all on the map. But um, they're telling, oh, yeah, you can be a traveling masseuse. And did it. she's 14 years old. And Trump knew that Epstein had been hitting on and recruiting and saying lewd sexual things to little kids and told the police. Well, police start putting the case together. And that's why Epstein went to jail the first time was over what Trump had put them on to. And they follow yeah, him called, around. He this called the a, FBI even, right? He had called yep. the FBI and did a, a long interview with them. Mm-hmm. Told him yeah. everything. And they came out later and said Trump was the only one that cooperated with us. Right, Everyone right, else man. was paid off, hush-hush, or compromise. Trump wasn't. Trump's into models, too. Trump's in that circle. He married three of them, right? right. Uh, nothing wrong with liking supermodels. Right. Nothing illegal about it, either. Right. Uh Epstein liked the little kids at the races with the ballerina look. You know, that's his thing. But uh, MC2 Model Agency, uh, which found a lot of famous models and went, did uh, got models for Victoria's Secret and, and so on, uh, that was owned by Jean-Luc Brunel, who also was sleeping with kids. And who has gone missing in the last week. And was, yeah, he's... At large, they're probably he and Maxwell are probably in France with Roman Polanski having tea talking about raping children. Roman Polanski, by the way, was represented by Alan Dershowitz, also. Mister, I, I kept, kept my underwear on. <laughs> I couldn't have raped her. I kept my underwear on. That was his excuse. He's like, Yeah, I got a massage. And yeah, I was at Rape Island. But it was a girl of age. And he's like, Were there other. Things going on in other rooms with other girls? I don't know. <laughs> like, oh, you're just the house is still big. How would I know what's going on over there? Like, are there little kids in the house right. at all? <laughs> like, why? I don't have a bunch of little kids in my house. Do you? Right. <laughs> you know, come on. He's a piece of shit. Uh, also, those uh, in New York, the houses adjacent to Epstein, besides Bill Cosby, who lived across the street, talk about a dangerous neighborhood for kids. Uh, yeah. Uh, where it was real estate property of Mark Epstein, uh, Jeff's, Jeff Epstein's brother. And that's where they housed a lot of these MC2 models. And so if you Didn't don't the Clintons comply, have stuff in that area too? Residents in that area? Wasn't it kind of like that particular area in New York pretty festooned with known predators? Yep. It's, uh, they had a good thing going for themselves. And they can tell these girls, if you don't comply, if you don't go and start, start, they start with a regular massage and kind of scale up, they could kick them out of their house. Then they're homeless. They could take their passport away if they're foreign mm-hmm. models, which most of them were from Eastern Europe. Right. They had a thing for blonde girls, too. And Sarah Kellen was staying there, staying in Mark Epstein's uh, uh, housing. And she's in and out. She's actually in a video of creepy Prince Andrew poking his head out of the door as little kids are going in and out. I mean, they look like Jeez. maybe high school, you know, or under. It's disgusting. I mean, it goes so deep. I mean, again, when you start talking about the layers of this, people don't know. who We just said Christine Maxwell, who owned this software company. Her husband was a gentleman by the name of Roger Molina. Mr. Mm-hmm. Molina ran a company called Leonardo, and he ran that out of in the MIT Media Labs. And just the other day, the head of mm-hmm. MIT Media Labs, I forget well, his what name. What donations? 
had to had to resign because and let me ask you obviously you know that's public news that that gentleman had to resign because of epstein ties in this Bates, i remember um back in the day aaron schwartz who's killed himself supposedly had hacked the mit media labs and supposedly was suicide what did he hack did he wind up finding out some of this stuff that um you know that was going on there that he probably should have known he got sentenced for whatever kind of hack he did and then uh I think one of one of the things they're working on is this stuff called microwire, and I have an interview with a, a lawyer for this case from the people who. This is a long story. His name is John Inacio. and so if people go to A and C report and type in microwire, you can see uh, what they're working on and using um, university grants and MIT in particular. Right. That's one of the things. This stuff can like change. Um, the trajectory of our artillery mid-flight and all kinds of fun, fancy military uses. And that might have been something thereafter. I mean, it, it's so... I mean, MIT is the place to be when you're looking for the cutting-edge tech and, and, and also brain power. So I just, I just found that association interesting. I mean, I don't know what he might have hacked, but that Roger Molina... And then out Roger Molina's father, Frank Molina, was uh, tight with Jack Parsons, the you know one of the founders of JPL, and then, you know, get into Jack Parsons and his tie with Aleister Crowley, et cetera, et cetera. It just makes for interesting conversation. You know what I mean? They have the... to thank uh, the Q community for pushing my first Epstein map. Uh, I got banned right after that until I physically went to Google, as we talked about in the beginning. Yeah. But um, they didn't grab the next ones on the on the financial stuff or whatever. I guess, you know, with a month of me disappearing, <laughs> they gave up on me or something, but... I was posting on BitChute and whatnot, but my YouTube, I couldn't. I had two strikes, and I can't risk losing all my material, you know. So right. if I, I got also, it all fixed for now. While, you, while you're on it, on people resigning, and, and uh, there was also a, an official from Brown University who was suspended, uh, who was connected mm-hmm. to the to the MIT lab. Um, Brown I think it's going to keep getting bigger and bigger. He's the, you think he's so? The, I mean, with him dying the, and they dropped the case, I wanted to ask you that. Do you think it's going to just go away? Well... They're trying. I mean, how many people can you can you Clinton? Like, but is that Jim evidence Roberts all gone? All that stuff they've gathered. Jesse Maxwell. Well, I mean, it. They. It's not all the evidence. They raided his house in New York. The FBI, even after Epstein died, still went to Little St. John's, uh, still raiding the properties. They have his disc uh, that he was keeping, his fake passport, a lot of his money. He did throw the bulk of his money into the 1953 trust. Uh, so that'll go back to the mega group, but um, this isn't over. Bill Barr is livid over this whole thing. They want heads to roll. Uh, there's still a lot of public eye on this, and it's up to us to keep this up, to not let it die. Like, yeah, you can't prosecute a dead man, right? But what about all his cohorts, right? Well, Absolutely. speaking speaking about of Bill Maxwell, Barr, I mean, Maxwell's I heard he's the main main person anyway. But in, in, these, never the main. in these conversations, everybody's like trying to just you know kind of almost pull that shit out of Pepper. Any tie, they just kind of run with it. I heard you mentioned on a on a conversation that Bill Barr's father. I forget his particular name, but he wound up hiring Jeffrey Epstein at this, this school, and he wound up getting fired, et cetera, et cetera. But you, you felt that that tie was somewhat – I mean, just because they know each other, he didn't know necessarily he was going to be a pedophile. But other people right, would just jump to the Donald Barr, but he got pushed out of the school. Yeah. And got replaced by uh, Gardner, who also raped a 14-year-old. So the headmaster yeah. of the school that hired Epstein was living with a 14-year-old girl mm-hmm. who was molesting. Uh, same situation, you know, no father, poor needs. And she's like, oh, you can stay with me. And his wife was dying of cancer while he's cheating on her with a child. 
and then Jeez. you've got Ace Greenberg, who's also been brought up on sexual harassment charges, head of Bear Stearns, uh, hires Epstein. And his employees, uh, they got bought out by J.P. Morgan Chase, you know, and their employees are meeting with Epstein after he's been arrested for prostitution and pedophilia and doing face-to-face meetings in Palm Beach while he's supposed to be doing prison time. What was so important you couldn't pick up the phone? Hmm. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's uh, I fished that out in the map. Uh, the financial map is called Epstein Map 2 or something like that. Not yeah, that was going to say, names, that's but... another one that people really need to check out because that's how oh, it really... Oh, it's the stuff he did. The I mean, billions the... of dollars that was, billions you know, in that collateralized debt obligation stuff and commercialized... He set up a civ, actually set up a uh, structure investment vehicle to hide toxic assets for Bear Stearns by this company called uh, Liquid Funding LTD in Bermuda. And Bear Stearns Dublin, is a way of getting around American regulations, uh, sets up this uh, liquid funding... Epstein is 40% of the cash and the chairman of it. And all they did was basically take on all these toxic securities. And then what Bear Stearns would do is they'd have the rating agencies and all come in and look at their books. Well, this debt obligation isn't on their book because they sold it to their subsidiary. And then on the first of the month, they go and buy it back again. <laughs> they, didn't really, they just temporarily get it away. So it's like a kid shoving all his toys under the bed and saying, see, mom, dad, my room's clean. That's where that, just, that's where that uh, <laughs> Maiden Lane comes in. Well, Yeah, so well, Maiden Lane set up by the New York Federal Reserve, and they would be the senior loan. To, for uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, I think put up like 1.2 billion, and they put up 28.8 billion yeah. to yeah. buy to buy them out. But a lot of this uh, commercial paper that uh, Epstein created in liquid funding ended up in money market funds, uh, including J.P. Morgan Chase's. So I mean, it, it, hundreds of millions of dollars of it. So what so, do you think? I, think I mean, now the, I mean, obviously part of part there. of some of the conversations I guess is they're going to let the the economy collapse and cause a recession and blame it on Trump. There's all these rumors of what's going on at Deutsche Bank being insolvent, et cetera. So do you see you're an economy guy? Do you see a recession coming? What's going on? Uh, not for those reasons. I think um, opening the discount window and messing with interest rates. We're looking at a massive um, housing crisis, but. Nothing like 2008, and the, the dollar's not going to collapse. I mean, America is uh, American dollar is not backed by oil or any of the stuff. It's backed by bullets, and it just is what it is. If we collapse, so does everyone else. It's the largest economy in the world. Everyone has a vested interest to make sure that it doesn't go belly up. Right. So those kind of exaggerations, uh, it's, it's fear-mongering. I'm not saying they're lying. I think they're just wrong. I think they don't. You know, well, and it kind of leads me to kind of to where we're going to close out. I mean, everyone's been talking about the dollar collapsing, investing in gold, et cetera, et cetera. They're gonna, they they're, say that every day. I know, I know. Right. But it, the larger, There's nothing wrong with investing in gold, though. I know, I know. I'm just saying no, that's it's not because it's going to collapse. <laughs> that's almost an older conversation. But now it's like they're getting rid of cash. They're, you know, everything's moving into cryptocurrency, et cetera, et cetera. Almost going back to, to Epstein a little bit. He had so much invested in essentially a lot of tech companies, eugenics companies, you know, the tech, the supposed technocracy and transhumanism. Do you see any of that kind of being the next evolution of things? And he wanted to freeze his brain and penis. I saw (laughs) (laughs) not someone that wants to kill himself. He wanted to live forever. They hung him. But a lot of his investments, broken bones in his neck. There are cameras outside uh, that were disabled, of course, malfunction. The cops sleep through when they're supposed to be monitoring him. His own lawyers, who have been implicated in rape, took him off suicide watch. 
Uh, he's alone. His cellmate had been moved out when he's not supposed to be. You have all these coincidences uh, that happen, and then he's dead for like an hour before they start working on him. I mean, it was on 4chan, screenshot. I mean, Alec McNabb, and, uh, who's an EMT, was telling me that he thinks if a body had been cold for 40, 50 minutes, it doesn't matter how long they work on him, he's never coming back. Right, right. right. And then they spread this stuff and say, well, look at his ear and his nose, whatever. Like, if you shove something in someone's mouth and pull their lip down, their nose will curve. That's yeah, not that, a big that's deal. That's another pulling that shit out of paper. There are... in your face because you just got hung, your ear is going to be purple. It's not a big deal. Right. I mean, this body's there. It's identified by his brother. You can get DNA evidence of it if you had to. Always like, the funeral. Uh, he, it's it's in Florida. They put his body next to his parents. You can't. <laughs> there you go. You, it takes too long. It's too much to fake. It's way easier to just kill him. Right. That's he's what useless. I said. He Pat, do Pat you were of the mind that he's right. alive. Pat, he's the. He's... Well, well. I mean, right. look. Here, here's the thing: is it's not impossible to think. Now, do I think it's likely? No, but it's not impossible to. To think that uh, a guy who's got that much money that couldn't pay his way um, out of there, um, certainly, you know, when you start handing out millions of dollars to each person that's going to get you out and, and um, a Mossad operation comes in and, and throws a body on the floor and takes you out, you know, I mean, it's not impossible. It's not impossible. Uh, they, he, when he first got injured, my first thoughts were, oh, he choked himself a little bit to try and get a transfer because he's thought. trying to get in-house arrest to get out of prison, yeah. right? Because he had minor like bruises on his neck or whatever, but he told his own lawyers his cellmate had tried to kill him. Yeah, and I'm thinking tried to. That guy wants to. He can't. That's what I was like, thinking. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe he's worried someone's coming by or whatever. But if he's paid off, but you know Patrick Ho was in the same cell, uh, and he worked for both of them, moving around uh, uh, money to dictators in Africa. That's what he's in prison for. And he's who was, the, who was the New York fucking like clearly on the roids? He took all the roids, cop killer guy thing from New York, who they transferred out like Carolina or Taryn something. But I that mean, was that was his cellmate. Maybe and they didn't transfer him out, and he killed him, and then yeah, transferred they just him let out. him in. Look, the cop opened the door and either did it himself or let the cellmate go in and finish the job. Like. Uh, Epstein was a dead man walking. Everyone yeah. was making jokes about it. Like, that guy right, right. is never going to trial. He's just can implicate too many important people. He's got to die. Yeah. And Jesley Maxwell writes this snarky thing in her fake in and out um, uh, picture that was that encryption in it, by the way, where she's reading a book about, about the CIA. espionage, right? Yeah. And her father was drowned, right? She's obsessed with saving the oceans where her father died. Um, her father basically died for the state and his eulogy was read by the Israeli prime minister. He's buried in Israel and all the Mossad chiefs were at his funeral. Right. He helped capture Mordecai Benunu. Uh, Wasn't he supposedly trying to blackmail the Mossad? That was a part of what... Well, he was in debt because he had been stealing pension funds and he, he wasn't working for the Mossad like as an agent. He was a, a somebody in media who a say and M type who told on them for, because of his own Zionist ideology. And he knew when Mordecai Benuto was reporting physical pictures of the warheads in Israel of their secret nuclear weapons program to the Sunday times and papers in the UK, Maxwell being in media in the UK knew helped set up the honey trap in Italy that captured him. Another thing he did is he stole the promise software from the DOD, uh, which ended up becoming Pegasus 
which is how they caught Khashoggi, how the Saudis caught him and killed him, was using that Israeli software to monitor his phone. By the well, way, even, his uncle, I was going to say, Khashoggi, he's even in it too. With the rape tours and his headquarters in Spain, which Epstein's using a fake passport to go visit a bunch of times with a fake address in Saudi Arabia. So it all, it's so much to say that's what I've done on the seven or eight interviews and maps and stuff about it. This Epstein thing is huge. I've been talking about that, it that's since a, I'm just, I don't mean to interrupt you, but just before you go on, I, I that's something start to start doing this in July. No, hell no. Your, your shit is thorough, yeah. dude. But people do look up Palantir software, Promise software. Uh, in the other one you just mentioned, because that's, that's yeah, that's really deep. I mean, this stuff just goes so much deeper than like again, child exploitation, all that is horrible enough. It really is. It's but the worst. And it's, it, what's really sick is how many people cover it up, right? Like we've had this before. Deborah Jean Palfrey, yes, uh, Jimmy Savile, like you name it. Right. It goes all the way up to the top. Have you seen the, the latest victim that dropped presidents. a YouTube video, Jessica something or other, in the last day or two? She was, you know, she was uh, linking it back to the DC Madame, wasn't exactly. she? Exactly. She mentioned her name. I mean, I don't know, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know if she was full of it or and not. She got suicided at her mother's house. Yeah, like a day uh, after I, she was on. I think maybe it was Alex or something. But she's she, she was, was saying, on with Melonhead and said, "I'll never kill." I'll myself. never kill myself, and then winds up hanging. That's that's what freaks me out, bro. You go have breakfast with your mom and kill yourself in the back. No one would do that. This is what freaks me out when I get so pessimistic like nothing will ever happen when things like that happen. Like, hey, I have a black book that says all of this and I'll never kill myself. She winds up dying. We're looking at Comey supposedly walking. Like, nothing ever happens from your Bear Stearns in 2008 to Gulf of Tonkin. Like, yeah, but nothing 9/11. ever happens because the press doesn't say anything. We have an alternative press now. And that's why Absolutely. I'm telling people fighting the censorship from Google and YouTube is the yes. most important thing because – you can't report on any of the other stuff. I don't care if it's immigration or pedophile rings or war or Anything. whatever your thing is. You would not know about it without the Internet. And right now there are a few – real realistically, it's monopolies. So we've got to be able to have free speech online. Right. That's that's why, like, of all of, – of the Democratic candidates, Tulsi's the best one because she's suing Google and she supports free speech. And obviously there's only one nominee on the other side, which is Donald Trump. Right. Donald Trump went after Epstein, and he fired John Bolton. So he's on my good mm. side today. Well, this goes back to what Pat <laughs> said about the Internet, man, and Ma Bell back in the day. It's a utility now. You can't just – I know they have their guidelines per their particular platforms, but like, you know, they don't we, even follow their guidelines. They just make it up. As they that's go what along. I was going to say. They're so arbitrarily. Violence, that's know? true. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that's frustrating, man. But you're right. I mean, it is so ubiquitous. Everybody's on their phones and utilizing these platforms. We definitely want to be able to utilize them to get these kind of word out, because what's the alternative? Yeah. You know, I mean, CNN, think about the Rachel Maddow. Right? And, How much information did you learn about the truth of WMDs and the rest of it online versus watching the talking heads? Right. All of them lied. All yeah. of them lied about it, and yeah. all of them did Russiagate, even Fox to a degree. Well, I mean, I'm not Russia, a fa- I'm not a Russia. fan of Trump, but like even in that 2016 election, there's no way he could fucking win. Polls say Hillary Clinton is so far ahead. I mean, it was just ridiculous. They, like... <laughs> they all said it. You know what I mean? They all just ran oh, with yeah. it, and it was it was Didn't so. Work. I mean, I, again, I'm pretty apolitical, but whatever. You know, I they tried the, to do two sides of the same coin. That oh, that's a wasted vote. Don't do it. She's got ninety-one percent chance of winning. Da, 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 da. Watching the video on, in the Hillary campaign spot where she was supposed to have the party, and they were weeping. They were like putting their heads <laughs> on their friends' shoulders. I could almost like that. Just that's so. That's gosh, that was beautiful. Dude. I wanted to be there with an empty cup to get the, <laughs> the cheers. 
<laughs> it was so beautiful. Was and that doesn't mean I like Trump, dude. But arrogance, just having yes. a complete meltdown. Yes, night. that's it. That's that. it. I wasn't. I'm not a pro-Trump guy, but their arrogance, that's the fact that cocaine right there, watching God, the Young Turks so and Anna, the House Armenian, just completely lose it overnight, melt down. I think Van Van Jones, Van Jones was crying. I think some of them. Say, it was. Oh, I it just was turned back and forth from CNN. To it was great. Wasn't it? it was comic relief. I like just, fuck Def Jam. I don't great. need any stand up. This you is playing perfect. Playing ping pong between CNN and MSNBC. <laughs> I was. It was like. Uh, a weird hour in japan and my grandmother and my mom and stuff are like on skype and like he's got pennsylvania and like each state that went uh red we're just like and i just wanted <laughs> hillary to lose like i wasn't and that's for real yes because she you know she wanted to nuke iran and all she was crazy uh is she not is it. she not quite possibly they don't want that to happen again they, but you know what he's gonna win again because the other side's got nothing they got but eyeball is... popping biden <laughs> likes to sniff kids' hair. And Embolism stuff. in the eyeball. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, Kamala Harris has the black vote all locked up. Yeah, right. Is it, is Hillary though? Up. Is she quite possibly? Is Hillary quite possibly? Um, I mean, just you know, we all know Hillary and we all love her, but isn't she quite possibly the most unfuckable human being on the planet? Hillary Clinton. Is, is she, I mean, she looks I like she smells she like. Smells pee i don't know why they're fixated on pee like a hot bottle of pee like in the summer that's been heated up and it's <laughs> it's just like warm hot urine I well just... i can say as far as kamala harris she she posted on twitter um that if she wins or when she wins the election she's gonna put in new standards for the amount of meat americans can that. ingest and i said and then i just i i tweeted her and i said uh uh, uh what about willie brown's meat <laughs> <laughs> Regulating how much meat you can eat. What yeah. a, oh. Have you not I, heard about that, Ryan? Did you not see that? I did. I get. Yeah, I, I saw that. When I went to was... London. I wanted to try some bacon. You got to search for it. They don't have it anymore. People think pigs yeah. are the devil or whatever. I'm like, give me that. Yeah, Bill. Pig. Actually, one of my favorite comics, dude, Bill Burr, just released his special today that he recorded in the UK. And he did a little series, a little three part series while he was in the UK. Just on how oh, just yeah? terrible the food is. Yeah, food is. It's it's. Oh, great. it's it's. I when I, <laughs> the food in Ireland was great. I thought it'd be similar to the UK. It's not. It's way way better. That's uh, good. I can't say UK. I can say London because I didn't visit the whole country or anything. I'm sure right, they right, have right. real food somewhere. But that city is terrible. Usually, big city. As much as I hate New York, I can't say the food's bad. Like you can get anything there. They have good restaurants and whatnot. It might be pricey and all, but. London, uh, I mean, they screw up fish and chips. How do you fuck up French fries? You know what I mean? Like, it is so bad. It was so bad that after coming back from Dublin, I bought American cereal in the grocery store and just ate that. I'm like, I am not wasting money on another bad meal where they screw up the order and I waste a bunch of, you know, sterling. I'm not doing it. I ate cereal. I was looking forward to airplane food on the way home. Ouch. Yeah. And that is not a joke. I was looking forward to the airplane food on Singapore yeah. Air. No bangers and mash. I had a horrible time in London with the food too. It's you got to go to like an Indian place or something to get anything that tastes has taste at all. Yeah. Wow. It, it's yeah. like I did get a free meal though from one of my shirts, and I, but I was like, <laughs> oh, my shirt. 
I'm not. I, I'm not going to go off on London at the end of this thing. Like I did enough London bashing, but I found that interesting. Bad. I found that you know, that was that was interesting because you hear you, you hear the stories kind of anecdotally, but to hear firsthand. I thought that... I was in New Delhi or something. And look, if I was if I went to a middle, you're like, Eastern and I've been cap- to New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. I've been to New Jersey. It was there was so much filth and it just smelled like piss. It, it smelled. Coming from Japan, which is probably the cleanest industrialized society on earth, possibly, uh, our streets are clean. It, it, it's oh hell we're, yeah, we're spoiled. You know, I didn't have that standard. I've been to American cities. I've been to Washington D.C. I've sure. been to I've been to the West Coast. It's pretty disgusting. I've been to New Jersey during the trash strike. Oh Jeez. lovely people. Yeah, we're walking around with masks and stuff. Stains but the nostrils. It yeah, New Jersey's not a, not known for beauty. No. Uh, at least Jersey City. And um, it's got other good things in the state, but that ain't one of them. <laughs> London was filthier than New Jersey or D.C. Wow. I mean, it's like San Francisco-level bad, so I hear. Really? Uh, well, you did killer they work, They did a man. test on the McDonald's touchscreens. Every single one of them had poo on them. I saw that, dude. That's... <laughs> that reminds me of that SNL skit back in the days. Like, you just walk oh. around, everything's cool, but then you got on fecal vision, and it's just like splots of freaking poop everywhere. I'm at Baker Street, like Sherlock Holmes, all that. Yeah, there's a statue of Sherlock Holmes. I think it's the only uh, Anglo I saw. It's uh, I'm in line behind Southeast Asia to get a ticket. I get up there, I discover, oh, it doesn't take cash. You have to have coins, and cards don't work. So I go and buy a drink or something to get coins. There's a coin machine, but two homeless men are beating the hell out of it and won't leave it and hanging on it and stuff. Cops aren't doing anything. Nobody's doing anything. We get on a tube, go one stop breaks the one in front of it broke so it broke and had to get out had a baby in a stroller had to carry it up uh steps because there's no escalator whatever stop is after baker street um and it's like 40 degrees celsius in these tubes people just yelling at each other and i'm i start laughing it was like watching trailer park boys (laughs) set stop fake like they're all just reaming out their kids and screaming at each other and and like people dressed up in burkas and the women have to walk behind the men and stuff and i'm just like this is this, where am I? Fucking bizarro London? world, like dude. All I read about in books and stuff, you know, like wow. I go to the Tower of London. They close early because they, you know, the uh, shlomo's got to go out to the pubs or whatever. So it's supposed to end at five thirty. They close at five o five. I just wanted to see Lionel Lee's armor and Marmaduke Dawson and stuff. I just want to go straight to the White Tower. Never got to see it, and I'm never going back, so I'll never see it. Wow, <laughs> it was terrible, smelly, dirty, disgusting overpriced food sucks logistics really suck the tubes break the trains break um i mean his, that, history will write about like, that dude people are very polite very nice food still sucked though <laughs> um but it was fine such, such a huge hugely place. historic place transforming right before our eyes man and history will definitely write it as it's such really, man it, it is it is just it's all bobbleheads and curry and whatever like and i you know I would hate that if I went to Tehran and it was all white guys serving cheeseburgers. You know, I'd be like, right. "Where's the Middle Easterners? Where's the Middle Easterners?" Antonio's stuff? Pizza, like, Antonio's Pizza, like, Tehran, oh, Iran. There's nothing European in London, <laughs> right? Except no. the museums. Yeah, they go in a museum to see what London was. You know, and uh, and wow. then and they're the same thing as America. They're taking down statues and of all course. this stuff. Their heritage is being erased. It's sad. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it all. If you're pro-European at all, it's like, what, do you hate the Middle East? I'm like, I've spent 20 years of my life trying to fight against wars in the Middle East and help Palestine, Iraq, et cetera. Don't give me that shit. 
Like, I just don't, I don't want a complete cultural takeover of a historic European city. I think it's sad. Well, yeah, and, and, London. And, yeah. like you said, I think they're trying to, they want to get rid of the old and bring in a new that is in kind of their image. In my opinion, it's just new, te- new technocracy. They don't any kind of identity other than consumerism. Exactly. There's nothing, well, that's the thing. It's, it's you destroy the identity of a nation and then it, they have nothing more to fight for. There's right. nothing left to fight for. And I'm sure there's like, plenty of Native Americans who will echo, echo that sentiment, quite frankly, because that's, that's what they're, they're trying to do it here. The Native Americans, aside from disease, they lost to the Western Confederation in military battles from Pontiac to Tecumseh. Then they started the welfare program, and that's all. The Indians were done. The reservation the system ramp. destroyed them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, the, the disparity of wealth between Native Americans on a reservation and not on a reservation. I'd love to see those stats, but just from like my life, I can tell you, like, yeah, it's night. The three deviations below the poverty line. It's all trailer park trash on almost every reservation. Off the reservation, you you can't even tell the difference between any other American. It's you know, I, yeah, regular. I have very close family members who were raised on the Pine Ridge, and uh, and it was it was all kinds of fucked up. So. Pine Ridge is is all kind of messed up, man. Yeah. It's uh, it's bad news bears. Bad news. It's bad news. But it's welfare yeah. kicks dad out of the house and all that. This is another topic, yeah. I guess. But like, I mean, no, welfare. that is. I mean, that's yeah, absolutely. Social engineering, man, yeah. and that goes on throughout the country, man. Get rid of dad. You know, incentivizes producing more fucking Get rid kids. Of masculinity. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of layers to so much of this, dude. That's why I'm so glad to be able to have these conversations with my man Ryan. You know, shout out any social hours of this. Yeah, I know, (laughs) dude. I can't thank you enough, man, because I know. I mean, you are a very sought after guest as it relates to this subject and a many of subjects. So, dude, I mean, love you, brother, and I'm so glad you were able to take some time to come and roll with us today. Shout out any social networking. Where can we find some of your work? Definitely, I'm going to attach the uh, Epstein map to the description of this video. But where can we find some of the other stuff, bro? I'll give you the most updated map after this. ANCReport.com is sort of the main place that will have everything else. And there's a uh, a donate button on there if anybody wants to throw some coins my way. I just had a very expensive trip to Europe. But um, that's there. And, yeah, that'll have my BitChute YouTube and article. Everything's on ANC stands for anti-neocon. Yes. So ANCReport.com. And we'll have this interview up there shortly. And uh, thanks for having me on again. I'm yeah. glad to touch a little on 9-11, a little bit on Kaczynski, a little bit on Epstein. Yeah, but, but we could go way add... deeper on all of those. Yeah, I was going to say, there's yeah. so much and to can, all of that. Go you ahead. can add to your map, your uh, Epstein map, Peter Cohn, who's the director of development for computer sciences and data at Brown. Yeah, there there's, there's a couple names that I got to add the tech sector stuff is actually a whole nother map. I just didn't have the energy. <laughs> like I got so demotivated after I lost YouTube. I'm like, well, why should I put all this time in to make a map? That 200 people will see, you know right. what I mean? Like, well, uh, and, and as I'm these flow charts go so deep, people bait the question like, well, just because he knew him didn't mean he was associated with all this other stuff. No, so we I don't want to get into solid like solid connections on here. No, like absolutely. The, I, but it's just yeah. that guilty by association. That's a very fine line that we walk in almost like you said, Donald right. Barr or whatever. Don't, don't Kevin Bacon this thing. Like, <laughs> did they did they receive money? Were they a cohort in crime? You know, not just like I didn't list everyone that worked at Bear Stearns or something. I just got the ones that are involved in sexual escapades or met with Epstein in person and made a deal. Or you know, it's very all everybody on this map is solidly connected to Epstein. Absolutely, not just 
some someone that did whatever and, and check out check out genie energy and you know the day before epstein died the documents came out that uh former governor of new mexico and former u.s ambassador to the u.n bill richardson was involved with some of his stuff but then the fact that he was on he's on the board of genie energy baits larger questions as well there's just a lot yeah. of digging man so you is, gotta uh, do the Larry summers who was uh, awesome yeah. black book former uh, former secretary of treasury under i believe clinton former head of harvard you know, World Bank Association and stuff like that. And it goes, the again, Obama admin too. this goes beyond right, left. And I've heard you said it before, brother. And I, we stress this a lot. The powers that be, whatever the fuck you want to call them, they don't care about what tribes we are, whether it's right, yeah. left, Jewish settlement or Palestine, you know, Serbian or Muslim or Kurd. They don't give a shit. They use this shit to weaponize against us. So we play all against each other while they continue this insane racket of, Divide Death. the hoi polloi and make them fight each other. That's, Absolutely. That's their goal. They'll use race, religion, gender, whatever they can get to get us at each other's throats. That's what but they it's do. always been a class war. And we've got this group that engages in its own sort of tribal nepotism. And it's if in their minds, it's us against them type of thing. And yeah. they do it from the shadows. So expose, sunshine is, the, is what they fear the most. They hate being known. They hate being seen. And Epstein, there are people begging the courts right now, don't put my name in this. Don't reveal me on this. Because whether they catch these people or not, the story's going to get out there anyway. Yeah. And yeah. everyone they're involved with, where are they all going to hide? People don't want to just pack up and hide either, especially if they have families and things. You can't just leave. Do you think the you document, uh, something yesterday or the day before, there's like something about 1,000-plus names going to be released, something like that? Do you think There's that's nearly coming? a thousand names. Is that coming? Well, Do you think that's... I'm not holding my breath on that. I want that to come. I really yeah. want to say yes. Um, I feel like reporting about it coming is helping force it to come. Because if it doesn't, they go, hey, where is these names we were promised, right? Well, or it just creates more automatic. conversation. You know, push, Comey push, walks. Push nobody, again, nobody gets accountable. I was talking to Pat. I don't mean to extend this too much longer, but is Trump a white hat? Well, that baits, you know, the Patriot Law is still, Patriot Act is still law. NDAA 1 well, and 2 that allows indefinite detention and assassination without representation of law, no due process. That's still law. If he was if strict he constitution, it, this would have been gone already. If this was all constitutional like he is, says, and I'm not saying it's just about that, but those are some pretty heavy things as it relates to cats like Pat, you know, right wing, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution. These things are still on the books. He's still, as we know, Dilyana Gaitanjeva, who we're trying to get on and going to talk to, she's uncovered more yeah, information she did about. one on Yemen, yeah. Yeah, where just more, more weapons are going to Al Qaeda and are going to these Islamic fundamentalist groups. The proxy war is continuing. So it's like. It's almost out of sight, out of mind, because we have all these distractions over here with these mass shootings, and it's and that's kind of. I wonder who uh, he'll he'll hire to replace John Bolton. I mean, a bucket of shit would be an improvement. Did I did I mention that possibly (laughs) his his former chief of staff, Fred Fleet, is is in the running for his successor? But as we close, my friend, moving into this election year. Shit is crazy, and it always is. In my opinion, we're seeing false flags everywhere. The deep state's in the corner, possibly. More people are getting hip to it. Epstein, I think, being killed was a mass red pill. Like I told you, my mom and my dad called me like, what the fuck is going on? People are just just lay people are getting hip to it. Send them, yeah. (laughs) So what do you think, man? What's going to happen? Are we hitting Iran? Are we, is, is this just delaying the inevitable as far as hitting Iran and Lebanon and this global hegemony, which continue like Wesley Clark talked about? They're too strong. It's not uh, one thing that'll stop it is we can't stomach the casualties. Like the U.S. could take on Iran, but it's not worth the 
what what it would is take the war to... happening now more asymmetrically with these trade deals and economic you know when you get into like china and ASEAN and what's going on in Southeast Asia and the one belt, one road are things happening mm-hmm. and wars happening more trade and economically now and a little bit of covert ops. We saw what happened it with always the Uyghurs. Starts to that. It seems like Israel is very close to pulling the trigger on Hezbollah. So that could be the next one. But Iran, you know, they already the, their vote was released. Two point one million barrels of oil go to Syria as planned. Um, Turkey's still going to be fighting the Kurds in northern Syria, but Right now, you know, relatively, it's looking pretty good, uh, you know, compared to before. I would love the war in Yemen to end. Yes. It doesn't look like it. I'd love the war in Afghanistan to end. And that's the one I think we should pile on and do because with Bolton out of the way, we have a real chance of removing troops from Afghanistan. And trust me, there's no reason to be there. We're just guarding opium. Just get out. Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, that that Trump war, seems that, to be that, leaning that direction. That money's been flowing for decades. Why get out of there? He's like you said before, because Vietnam was war, one spot. The, the writing's on the wall. It's, there's no reason to finance ISIS in Syria because they they're losing it. Not as far as done. facilitating that 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 heroin trade, you know, they've, whether it's the French connection or what's went on in Vietnam, or you know, we've had it locked down in in Afghanistan. Yeah, for but they years. don't openly admit we're in Afghanistan for heroin. They, the excuse is supposedly no, you know, for sure. But if we get out of there, doesn't that kind of shut down that a part of that trade? Yeah. So I guess there's real, there's real no incentive to get out. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. There's no real incentive to get. Like you said, we announced we might get out and meet with the Taliban, and then it was a car bomb that day or the day before. So it's, it's you know, same fucking playbook. But um, 2020, do you think who's the uh, Democratic nominee? Do you think, and Vice President? I heard Hillary's uh, itching to get in. I mean, I think Mr. BS probably has the most grassroots support. Mr. Mr. Embolism in the eye. Comrade Stalin. What's his name? <laughs> Bernie Sanders. <laughs> you think? Oh, God. He's a uh, Biden man. He's kind of like the Giuliani. He ain't going to make it. Right. He's too Jesus. And if, and if, and if and Bernie's stuff. their go-to, I mean, wow. Oh, he's going to get destroyed. Kamala Harris um, and Bernie as running mates. <laughs> I know. What's that? What's what's that one guy's name? Is it Wong? Uh, Wang. Yang. Wang. Wang. Andrew Yang. He, he, Yang. He, po- he posted that he was... Winning in polls uh, when compared to Trump, and I just I I, I was going to write something, but I just couldn't. Trump's pick up winning. It, it's like anytime they, they do that poll shit. Come on, dude. That that poll shit got played in 2016. Oh, Anybody... I know. I know. I wanted to make fun of that guy. Thousand dollars. You can't just give everyone a thousand dollars a month, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Obama well, phone. There's there's a lot there's a lot of people citizens in this country who think they they deserve it. Well, we live in a very interesting world, man. We live in such a great world. And again, man, I'm so glad to be able to have these kind of conversations because, uh, yeah, you you were talking about Ted Kaczynski and I'm not likening myself to Ted Kaczynski. Yeah. (laughs) But Ted Kaczynski shirt anymore because he's finally gone. It says Bolton must go (laughs) and he's gone. But you were, so is, you know, hold is, on. You, is, you were saying how Kaczynski, like, he couldn't relate to people, like everyone was an idiot. And I'm not saying I'm Ted Kaczynski, but it having these conversations makes me feel good. Doing the show with Pat makes me feel good because I realize I'm not alone in like having these conversations reaffirms that it does go so deep, and I'm not fucking crazy. And it frustrates me because nobody has a fucking clue. <laughs> nobody has a clue, and that's what allows so much of, so much of this to keep going. And it's frustrating. Well. I think there are a lot of people that have a clue, but they don't. the The field of politics is so 
hostile. They don't feel like dealing with it publicly, so they just keep it to themselves. They're not really out there expressing it. They'll vote or whatever, but they don't let you know that they know. You know what I mean? Because yeah. when you do, you got to deal with all the backlash from all the morons, right? So I think there are more intelligent people than we realize. They're just the quiet I hope ones. so. It just but, seems yeah, like everything's – you're you're a professional wrestling guy. You've seen the video of the kid. It's still real to me, damn it, talking about professional <laughs> wrestling. And that's why I think people defend more this. More real than politics. <laughs> well, yeah, but people defend this right-left paradigm so hardcore because, you know, their extreme tribalism, confirmation bias, et cetera. They just can't mm-hmm. go beyond that. And it just sucks because the whole thing does go beyond that. Listen to a video you were today. So much. Yeah, there's that, been plenty of conspiracies. Show you. It's like 60% are independent voters. Uh, the right and left are not the majority. That's just the one that's in your face all the time. That's true. That's true. They're going down. We're going to have a paradigm shift. Like, this happens if you look at broad historical trends. We're, we're there. We're going to have a paradigm shift. The left is already starting to fragment into two different parties. Are you of the mind that it's going to get worse before it gets better as far as, you know, false flags? And, I mean, obviously everything will never be 100% just chill. But, like you said, everything is so viscerally divisive with politics right now. I now. think our low, point was, <clears throat> our low point was around 2002. You think? And I think we're getting better as we get more. We have more vibrant alternative media than ever before. Uh, we can't get boots on the ground like we used to be able to do with the second Iraq war. We are trying to get out of Afghanistan. We're talking to North Korea. Uh, we did downsize some troops in Syria. We cut off CIA funding in Syria. We didn't go into war in Venezuela, even though Bolton tried as hard as he could. Bolton just got fired. But what, what about the day. kids who yeah. they? What about the kids who they've seriously weaponized as far as the Second Amendment, et cetera, who are starting to get into voting ages who have no fucking clue about the nuances of this shit? They're just rolling with the kind of that AOC squad. <laughs> just, you know, very social yeah. justice warrior I mean, That's who I worry about because I see them weaponizing the youth in this way well, where it's like. Those it's... kids will change the first day they get a real job. When all that Marxist check. rhetoric and all that stuff, the first day you get your first paycheck with taxes taken <laughs> out of it, you're like, wait a minute. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I've asked people that, like, I argued with you on this and that, like, what was it that changed your mind? They're like, working. Right. There you go. Yeah. You start realizing, like, you, your boss, whoever you're working for and stuff, like, you have to sell products or, or services, and and that's how you get money, and then you just have to give it away to people who are doing nothing. That is the, the core difference between, like, people who live in the real world yeah. and people who don't or have, you know, fantasy jobs, like being an actor or whatever. Like, they, that's where the left resides. People don't live in the real world. Uh, when you get out of the you know perpetual students, which I call professors, uh, and you get out of like actors and stuff, and you have job jobs, uh, and you're really working for a living and really having to earn that money, um, it sucks to have to give it away. They're talking about expanding health care to illegals, except for Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, all the other Democrats are like, yep, let's see. You take a middle-class family that can barely pay for their own health insurance or health care, right. and you're going to tell them now you got to pay for Pablo's? Uh-uh. They're going to be like, build another wall. Like, we can't extend social benefits to the entire third world. It I is know. economically not feasible. doesn't matter how big a bleeding heart you have, how much you want to do it. That's not going to work. If you really want to help those people, stop predatory lending, stop uh, warfare, get rid of NAFTA, get rid of the lopsided trade agreements, prosecute right. white-collar crime, 
Uh, there, I wrote a long list of things that you could do that would help fix the third world so that it, they don't have to relocate poverty. You can just not be in poverty. I mean, we know it works. Capitalism. They don't have it. That's what they need. That's their number one enemy. Antifa and all these things, they're all communists. They, you scratch them, you can see the red underneath. They mm. hate capitalism, westernism, masculinity, uh, nuclear family, traditional values. They hate these things because they work. And they want that free lunch. They have that entitlement attitude and, and want to demonize everybody with isms and ists and prejudice. They're the ones that are obsessed with ethnicity and race. And I, I, I don't think about that stuff in my day-to-day life, right? right? And I live in a 99.99% of the people around me are, are you know, not my group or whatever. <laughs> so are you, are you a citizen of Japan or they're on a, a certain visa or what? I got a, a three-year visa right now. I every I used to every year or so I'd have to get a visa. So people are like, okay. I, don't you have a marriage visa? My wife's actually Korean, but we live in Japan, so we okay. both guys okay. like, yeah. Because I have children here, I get a visa, and I'm working. And I worked in Japan. I had work visas when I was, uh, and I still do part-time work in Japan for to, gets me longer visas usually for to do some work in Japan. But obviously, I'm doing journalism on. That's not. It's kind of both because I'm spending my money here and da 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 da. But right, right. you can legally immigrate to Japan. Just you're gonna have to work your ass off, learn another language, like because <laughs> they need. And I don't blame them for having the strict immigration rules they have because if they didn't, it would become China overnight. Right. And I'm not saying China's bad. It's just why do you need Japan to be China too? You, know, you can go to China and see Chinese stuff. You right. know, Japan right. deserves to have Japanese culture, Japanese language there preserve their way of life you know for same with the uk like you were talking I, about i would hate for you know, osaka to become beijing and i don't want london to become islamabad or whatever like it, there's nothing racist or anything about that right. like wanting to preserve a culture is a good thing yeah and i wouldn't want anyone to disappear uh i've seen that happen to american indians language is gone culture gone like that's sad right. and i don't want that to happen to anyone else Race, race preservation isn't necessarily race separation, and people don't quite get that sometimes because it's all fused through that kind of. It, you know. Well, it doesn't even in the case of Japan and China, it'd still be the same race, but you'd have a completely different culture. Right. So it doesn't even yeah. matter what race is. Yeah, well, I mean, if you had a whole bunch of Ukrainians flood into Germany, it wouldn't be German anymore. If you had a bunch of Germans going to France, it wouldn't be French anymore. Right. A lot of Germans went into straight. Rome, and then the Roman Empire didn't exist anymore. A lot of German, a lot of a lot of Germans after World War II sort of disappeared into South America, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of scientists ended up in NASA. Paper yeah, that's true. Which is the whole I got a bounce camp. guy. I got another interview. No, Sorry. absolutely, okay. man. Thank, thank you, you so much, man. Ryan Dawson. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, please be reflective. Think, research on this 9/11 day. Let's get it together, ladies and gentlemen. Peace. So much love, 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 gentlemen. Peace. So much love. Gentlemen, peace, 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 so much love.